This week's show is brought to you by Miracle Made. Alright, now you guys, Brad and Alex, you know I like a lot of things, but I'm going to reveal a little bit about myself here. I really like sleeping. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I'm like, it's, oh, yeah. A, it's in my top three. Of it's a great I thing enjoy. to do. Wait, hang on. Eating, sleeping, and? Sleeping. Again. Okay. It's, All right. it's it's mostly sleeping, then eating, then sleeping Got again. Got it, yes. Got sleep, it. get up, eat, then you get back to sleep. <laughs> yeah. If I could eat while I'm sleeping, I would probably do that, too. Sleep, eat, sleep, repeat. Got it. Yes. And luckily for me, Miracle Made has sheets just for me. Because did you know that traditional bed sheets can harbor more bacteria than a toilet seat? And I'll tell you what I don't like, sleeping on a damn toilet seat. I would rather sleep in some nice sheets. I don't know, man. Have you tried it? Unfortunately, yes. And it's not my style. I won't ask you to elaborate. (laughs) Inspired by those punks at NASA, Miracle Made uses silver-infused fabrics and makes temperature-regulating bedding so you can sleep at the perfect temperature all night long. It has self-cooling properties. The sheets that are infused with this silver prevent up to 99.7% of bacterial growth, leaving them to stay cleaner and fresh three times longer than other sheets, and no more gross odors. Only the best odors in my sheets. You can go to trymiracle.com slash nextlander to try Miracle Made Sheets today. And whether you're buying them for yourself or as a gift for a loved one, if you order today, you can save over 40%. And if you use our promo nextlander at checkout, you'll get three free towels and save an extra 20%. Miracle is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you aren't 100% satisfied, you'll get a full refund. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to miracle.com slash nextlander and use the code nextlander to claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% off. Again, that's trymiracle.com slash nextlander to treat yourself. Thank you, Miracle Made, for sponsoring this episode. Hello and welcome back to another Nextlander podcast. I could not be more excited to be here. Just couldn't, couldn't be. Just there's there, I've thought about it for a while and thought about my life a lot and kind of where I am at life and closing in on 45 and you could not be more excited I could not be more excited what if what if I said at the end of this podcast you will get a free pepperoni pizza nah I didn't have to worry about the calories and putting it into my fitness pal and then stress me out Mm. I've already eaten lunch today so that's uh, 300 calories a slice. I got a budget. I got to go on here. Brad Shoemaker, what, excitement what if, level. What if you? What if? What if a magical pizza awaited you that contained no calories or you know fattening properties of any kind? Okay, then I've got to worry about how that happened and does this disrupt my entire worldview of science versus magic? And also, I've got to call a couple of people and say, "Damn, I was right. Magic does exist. Eat shit." Alex Navarro, do you believe magic exists? Uh, no. Okay, you said yes. 
Fantastic. Okay, I also, like a, f- a phone call comes in. Okay. Upon completion of this podcast, $10 uh, million dollars will be deposited into a, an offshore account with your name on it. That's like, that's a lot of stress. You, would but also you a be person excited you if- don't know will die. <laughs> <laughs> would you be excited if somebody called you up and said that, or would you immediately hang up and be like, I've got to check my security. My phone number got out there in a bad way. In a bad way. I better go change all my passwords. Benny. Yeah. I don't know that I believe that you could not possibly be more excited. I mean, there's a slim possibility. I'm looking excited. at you and I'm thinking, he's kind of excited. I'm pretty but excited. I feel like you could be more excited. Folks, I'm joined by Brad Shoemaker, Alex Navarro, and all of you. You tell me how I could be more excited. If I woke, if I looked at my bank account and there were 10 million plus dollars in there, I would freak out and I'd call the bank. So that okay. the money's not going to do it. If, um, okay, if, hang on. What, what is the best possible way to get a dump truck of money dumped on you? What is, what's the least strings attached lottery ticket? Yeah. Like eh. that, that's like a legal means by um, which I could have actually won. So it is, it is legal, but it also seems like a guaranteed way to ruin your life. Yeah. From, but like we talked a I lot read. about this, like you, you would, you would have to do everything and, you know, set up the firm and the whole thing. But like, I think that's probably the, I don't know. Uh, okay. How about this? Somebody, okay. A business person. Well, even this would probably have strings. I was gonna say a business person comes in. Some angel investor says, I love next lender so much. There isn't a tier for this on the Patreon, but I would love to just give each of you $10 million and walk away. I, uh, I'm going to shoot myself into the sun and this is how I want to leave you my money. Here's all the legal documents. I also have enough money to shoot myself in the sun. So, you know, this is legit. And then basically donated it to us. But then I would also feel like, well, we should probably give that back to the community. It's an excellent thing. So that would have strings attached to it as well. I wouldn't just have $10 million personally. So I don't know. I have to look. I've tried magic pizza. I've tried a pile of money. What else is there? If you're Uh, really, if you're, if you're pouring over the tax complications of being given $10 million to be excited to be on a podcast, I, I really don't, I, I, I can't help you anymore. Okay, if I if I were downstairs here and like a brick quote unquote fell out of the wall and there were old golden coins in it, that would be pretty exciting because that's coins and gold and probably worth a lot of money. How much do you think the skeleton that's next to the gold coins is worth? I put the brick back in and don't ask questions. Uh-huh. I said, you know, I don't know. Um, for the love yeah, of know. God, Montressor. <laughs> <laughs> there was a lovely cask of wine mm-hmm. next to that skeleton. Is there is there a Twitter account out there? There has to be for finds in walls. Oh like, man. Like it's a whole thing, right? That like people remodel houses and find like all kinds of shit in the walls, or like they pull the wallpaper down and realize there was something amazing behind there or bare minimum found, that's a YouTube channel, I believe. Foundinwall.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, wall finds. Yeah. Well, my wall finds uh, this week on wall finds. You're not going to believe. Gosh, the, the YouTube thumbnails for wall finds. I'm imagining uh-huh. the like YouTube face of somebody just shocked holding up like a blurred thing. Be like, you won't believe what I found in the wall today. Guy making the YouTube face says like another mob informant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, man, I am so. YouTube face is so cliche, but it's so out there. It's mm-hmm. just. I find it very funny because all of the YouTube creators that I, uh, I'm not going to say follow, I'll say stumble upon. Yes. They, everybody does it. I don't oh, yeah. blame them for all doing the thumbnails it, are like that. Even for channels that are actually pretty <laughs> chill and reserved, like they're yeah. always making the dumbest <laughs> fucking face imaginable. I just, 
I just want to be on the next, the other side of that to the yeah. next thing. I just, I don't know what it is. Uh, They're trying I'm to be eye catching. I get it, but just I get on. it. I get it. It's just, it's just the same. It's the same five paces. I went to a, um, I went to a not Benihana's yesterday. Do you guys know what Benihana Benny is? Nada's. Yeah. Benny, Benny Nada. No, yes, nice Nada. Um, uh, Benihana, if you're not familiar, is they kind of um, I forget it's what hibachi. the actual name for it. There's a name for it. They, they there's a name for it that's not just hibachi. Um, stunt hibachi. A, uh, stunt hibachi. Where the uh, they cook the food in front of you. It's usually Japanese cuisine, and then they kind of have like a little show, a shared seating, and they uh, have the grill right in front of you there. Uh, I was going out to dinner with my wife. It was her birthday. We had the kids in the car. The place we were going to was closed. Oh, no. It happened to be like one of those, like, hey, we're closed on this day. And today was the day. So I said, okay, listen, for 20 years, you have wanted to take me to a Benihana's, and I have refused because I don't like public spectacles while I'm eating. Mm -hmm. I just want to sit. I want to be alone. I want to eat. I don't want to talk to people. I just want to enjoy my food. You come by. You fill up the water again. That's fine. Our interaction. You get a nice tip. We are done. Wait, nice you were the one kids. who was down to go to medieval times, and this is that's this not, is your response. That's, not, that's dinner theater where you're what? That's passively watching. That's passively watching. I mean, I guess the watching. dinner is kind of incidental. That's passively watching. I don't want interaction. Okay. I don't want to be like you know. Uh, some dinner theater has interaction, but like also, I don't like group seating. <laughs> like I kind of like my own table. I don't want to mm-hmm. sit next to strangers. I don't know. That's I've been at um like like um. That that German place, Brad, that was in the uh, um, our old neighborhood had like the lunch counters, or there was not our old neighborhood. Like, it was in like the big bench seats. It? Yeah, the big bench seats. We went there a couple of times. I feel like I went with you there, Brad. Uh, it was where was it? This is a soup and kuka? Maybe, yeah, maybe that was it. It was like delicious German food, like kind of. Oh, I've been to that uh, place too. Yeah, yeah, they had like the bench seating where you're just sitting next to, like uh, cafeteria style. Yeah, I haven't been there so long. Yes, I believe that's where you're talking about. They also had the big uh, beer boots there, if I remember correctly. Yes, yes the they definitely have the beer boots. Did you have a good time? I had a great time. Then that's the kids, all that matters, really. The in kids, the end, the kids had a great time. The food was good. Uh, we gave the we gave our chef a big tip. Um, you know, when they were done, luckily the other people who are at the table gave them a, gave him a tip first. And I was like, oh my gosh, I didn't realize this was the thing. And then we tipped him cause they leave and then your server comes back. Right. So I didn't, I didn't realize you tip the, the chef and then you, you know, tip the server separately. Uh, so I was glad. Um, but yeah, it was awesome. It was fun. I, I wanted, I, I just want to talk about the beer boot. What's about, what's up with the beer boot? Have you, have you had, have you ever partaken of the beer boot? It's a oh, big yeah. boot. It's a, it's a big boot. The whole the whole thing about it can't touch the table. You have to just keep passing it around. And oh, I don't know if I ever did the. Can't so touch I've the heard table that thing. I did That's, not participate in that aspect. That, that is, yeah. Well, the real the real magic is that thing. I don't know if you know is incredibly breakable. Uh huh. You have to be very careful with it. Also, the foot of it's not that stable. No. That's what I'm saying. It's oh, like yeah. it's, it's possible to put that thing down wrong and just uh-huh. shear the toe off the boot. <laughs> yeah. Especially and if you're fr- drinking a, a food of beer. A friend, a friend of mine at Soup and Kuka saw that happen. Oh, geez. With a full boot. Oh, boy. And you can imagine the pressure of however much beer that is in there with a small opening at the bottom. Mm-hmm. And possibly glass. Basically just sprayed the contents of the beer, the boot, all over the table next to them. Great. That's, that's, that's the dangers of getting mm-hmm. a boot full of beer. Mm-hmm. Um, First three rows, splatter th- area. I think I just drank it. I don't remember passing it around. That's Maybe that's like the kind of goofy 
American German eatery mm-hmm. drinking game. Is, I see. You can never put it down. Everybody has to just keep passing it around and drinking out of it until it's so empty. You, and you take turns eating slash drinking, sure. alternating. Yeah, folks, kinda, we've got kind of gross. We've got <laughs> in a post-COVID world, mm-hmm. not going to fly. We've got a show for you today. It's a we've show. Got, it's the show. Mm. It's the one you've been waiting for. It's got Callisto Protocol, Marvel's Midnight Suns, a little game called Sword Ship. We're going to finally get into this whole Fortnite thing and some updated impressions of Need for Speed Unbound. I want to remind everybody out there, too, if you're keeping up with the WatchCast, we've got more coming up. Uh, if you're on the Patreon, we've got some Star Trek coming up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then uh, on the normal feed, the same feed uh, or same uh, free feed, such as if you're listening to this on a free feed, you can find the WatchCast. We will have Michael Clayton. Yes. Michael Clayton. That one's up for our patrons right now. My mom informed me this morning that they rewatched Michael Clayton in anticipation of this podcast. Oh, wow. Wait, do they listen to the Uh, podcast? uh, Apparently, they may listen to the WatchCast. Oh, boy. I got to stop cussing. And (laughs) yes, that's exactly how I feel every time. Did they uh, render an opinion? She, she said, we re- rewatched Michael Clayton last night. What a great pick to discuss. Uh, it a is one. a great one. It's a good one. So you can catch that uh, either on the Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash nextlander, or uh, we'll be up next week on the free feed. Again, WatchCast, a cast for talking about the movies, mm-hmm. not watching alongside the movies. So watch them before you, you come in. Let's get into the games. Let's start with the Callisto Protocol, a game uh, came in ho- a little hot, maybe on some platforms, but uh, a game which is its pedigree is in Dead Space, mm-hmm. unmistakably Extremely. in Dead Space, extremely Dead Space. I am at this point, my character looks indistinguishable from Isaac, from Isaac in at least two, two of those games. Uh, you know, what I'm, I'm in the full on futuristic robot armor suit with the health bar on the back of my neck. What uh? What do you think so far, Brad? I I am really into this game. I am pretty far into it. I don't know how far you guys have gotten. Uh, I'm, I'm like a this, couple of hours into it at this point. This 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 game is clearly to me destined to become one of those games that I really like, in spite of its problems and somewhat in conflict with what seems like mainstream opinion. Hmm. Which is to say, I really like this game, but it's got some issues, but I really like it, but it's got some issues. So despite the issues, there aren't enough for you to derail you. Yeah, I mean, it's just been a while. Mm. Well, it's been a long while. Like when Dead Space 3 came out, like what, a decade ago almost? At least a decade. It was like 2013, Um, maybe? Yeah. This game is not terribly ambitious. Like we talked about this when I played it a couple months ago. Like... You know what you're getting. If you played Dead Space, you know you pretty much know what you're getting. It's got a gravity gun. I can't remember if did any of the Dead Space games have the yes. physics. Oh, TK. yeah. Had, this, had the stasis. Yeah, there was okay. a stasis gun, at least. Okay, well, this is straight up just gravity gun, an enemy yeah. fling in front it. of you, and then fling it at another enemy type stuff. Um, I, The biggest differentiator, well, I don't know. What do you guys think before I just ramble about it? My my initial impressions, which, again, I'm not super far into it, are that I'm genuinely impressed with the expressiveness and animation and visual trappings of it, despite the environments looking very samey, very, like, you know, gothic space industrial. Uh, I think it is... It's all very well rendered. I think the gameplay for me is not hitting at all. I agree with 
the production values, uh, technical stuff aside, which I haven't run into too much. I've seen a couple of glitches here and there, but nothing too yeah. crazy. Yeah. It's, it's got it's got bugs. None of them have really been graphical or game issue stuff for me. Um, Sony apparently, so we've been playing on PS5. Like I had, I had, I didn't realize this when we when I solicited review code and just said like, hey, PlayStation, why not? Or or Xbox, I think mm-hmm. I said, and they sent PlayStation. Mm-hmm. Turns out Sony dramatically supported development of this game uh like there are something like 150 sony employees in the credits of this game oh interesting okay. if you're wondering why the xbox version is somewhat broken and the pc version is all the way broken and the ps5 version is just fine okay for the most part so so technical stuff aside i i like the production value of i've liked the kind of um portrayal of the world they're mm-hmm. trying to uh express the setup for what they're doing, the acting, the environments, which, you know, like kind of like Brad said, there's, they're not reaching too far. It's, it's pretty familiar. It's just done very, very well. I sometimes don't know what they're asking of me in terms of the combat or if the game is set up to handle what they're asking of me with the combat. Uh, and so I'm sometimes at odds with that. And, you know, this is not a secret. I have problems with inventory management, and mm-hmm. this is a strict inventory management game. It's hardcore, dude. Yeah, it's like no I, joke. I mean, they they drop. Um, you have six slots to start with in the inventory. I, I will tell you, my inventory has now doubled. Oh, okay. And, okay. and my health bar is also dramatically bigger, which is represented on your neck. Yes. Um, but there, but there been there were times in that first few hours when you only have six inventory slots, when all six of my slots were sellable valuable items mm-hmm. okay i literally had to drop all health and ammo because i kept finding items that you can sell for currency and could not find one of the vendor stations to sell them it's hardcore about that stuff so where i'm at in the game you know it's it's so far it's it seems manageable i'm making progress it just is um sometimes feels like three steps forward one step back kind of progress where i'm, I'm going through i'm clipping through then suddenly i hit an encounter and just die in two seconds and just have to kind of redo that encounter and kind of puzzle it out, right? Like, okay, I've got to get the enemies funneled into this, you know, position because I am having a tough time doing group management on enemies or they're knocking me out of, I think we talked about this when we were looking at it, knock you out of animations or don't get locked into an animation because you will just get hit from the side. And my character is very fragile at this point, like one or two hits if I don't have full health and I'm, you just flop to the ground with a missing arm. It's kind of a rough start for the first two or three hours. Uh, yeah. Before you, A, A, you start getting your head around the combat to the point that I almost feel like I'm exploiting it now. Because, <laughs> okay. like, once you understand exactly how the combat works, you can really just kind of breeze through the fights. Mm. But you have to know exactly what you're doing. I, I'm stealing this from Patrick Klepek. We were talking about this game. <laughs> this is the most apt description I've heard of this game. This is, it's survival horror with the combat of a boxing game. Totally. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, as soon as he said that, I was like, holy shit, dude, the combat in this game is just punch out. It is. Like, you literally, you literally, it's, it's all melee based. There are guns and the guns serve multiple purposes, but it is at the core. It is kind of at least maybe this changes later, but even where I'm at several six, six, seven hours into the game, at least it's primarily a melee game. You literally wait for enemies to come up to you, swing at you, alternate dodging left or right. Mm-hmm. And then com- and then counter when they're done with their combo, their melee combo. And and do you pretty much just wait for them to like, stagger backwards I, and then get ready for another attack? Like, um, yes, because they'll, so, they'll break out out of their animation, right? If you're hitting, there them. are multiple considerations there. So the only the, the dodging is weird because it's not timing based. You only need to be holding left or right on the stick when they come in for an attack, and you will dodge. 
And the only requirement for subsequent dodges is that you dodge in the opposite direction. So right. you can't keep dodging left, but as long as you just, and again, it's kind of just lazily move the stick back and forth. As long as you've got it in the right direction, when they start to swing, you're fine. You also have a block, which I almost never use because the dodge is so reliable. Although there are upgrades you can combo off of a block later. Hmm. Um, dude, I'd swear like dodging left and right and then hitting after their combo runs out. I like I'm waiting for a little like blinky star to appear over their head to give me an uppercut. Yep. Sometimes. <laughs> um, but so like they can block you even after you get through a combo, they can block you. Um, I'm trying to think what else. Like there are so, idiosyncrasies or there are some nuances there. It does seem like they will break out of a hit animation too. If you can't just wail on them, they so will just kind of that's go them blocking you just like yeah. you can block them in the middle of a combo. So like one of the reasons I have enjoyed this game is that, okay, there's also two types of health. There are uh, like pickups that you can carry around with you and use whenever you want. There's also the instant use on pickup type of health and they drop enough of that stuff that I've actually, I just started selling all of my ammo and health pickups. Hmm. Like, I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to get good enough at this combat that I can subsist on the instant use health that they drop so I can mainline upgrades as fast as possible. And I highly recommend just leaning into baton upgrades as fast as you can <laughs> in this game. Because if you get those upgrades early enough, like one of the upgrades is when they block you, you break their arm. So oh, okay. if they block you, you literally cut their arm off. And, can and you they a, can't attack can, you anymore. Can you keep going in a combo, or do you have to stop the combo I think, after I that? think that stops the combo there, but okay. then at that point, you know they can only swing at you once because they only have one arm left. Right, right. Um, so that's that's another thing with their combos, right? Sometimes they, at least in the early games, they will, in the early game, they will sometimes do one swing, sometimes do two. I saw you get a three one. I haven't gotten up to the three, yeah, yeah, three they, swings. They, they will swing at you three times now. I'm also at the point where they have like tentacles bursting out of them, and if you don't shoot oh, the tentacles fast okay. enough, they mutate into way worse versions of themselves. So they sometimes grab you instead of swinging. Which, yes, that um, does happen, which takes a little bit of health. Um, um, and you kind of do the mash triangle on PS5 to, to get rid of them. It's yeah. it's interesting. Like the, the, the block seems to... Uh, like, if somebody's running at me, sometimes I'll block, but I don't think I can block a swing again. It feels like there's an invisible stamina meter on the block where maybe you just can't block everything. You do have to dodge after that, a while. I think that is probably right. So there are there are three upgrade paths on the baton. The baton is the melee weapon. It's, a, it's like a shock baton. Um, one of the paths is to make it so you don't take damage off a block anymore. Oh, uh, and okay. also, like I said, one of them is after a block, you can do a low attack, which I think will knock them down, and then you can probably just stomp them. <laughs> okay. Um, I, I cannot speak highly enough of getting both baton upgrades and the grip upgrades, the physics gun. Oh, okay. Um, because that's crucial for crowd management. Like, the game has severe problems early on with just throwing too many enemies at you in awkward situations. Um, and it also badly needs a 180. Oh my gosh! Like it badly needs the Resident Evil Quick Turn 180. Oh my gosh! It does not have. Slow. It's too slow on the turn. Yeah, it's well. I, I upped my camera sensitivity all the way to try to be able to turn around faster because they surround you and that you just get fucked up in that game. How much stealth have you done? Not a ton. Like the stealth is pretty obviously like scripted to be stealth. Like mm, there like are every once in a, a while. Guy. Every once in a while, you'll get an enemy. There are a few. In, there are a few dynamic cases where they'll wander around and you can try to stealth a couple of them off. Okay. Um, but by and large, it's like, oh, they clearly want me to sneak up behind this guy and stab him. So that's the um, part where I was kind of some of the part where I was mentioning, I'm not sure if I'm doing what the game expects me to, to do, because the reinforcements will just come in off screen. Sometimes when you're fighting an enemy, a monster will just you'll you'll see one start fighting and then 
a monster will just run up from behind you and grab you. So I was wondering if, oh, is this like a stealth part? Do they want me to stealth Ooh, through here to no. not activate a monster? Or No, there's definitely That doesn't definitely seem like not. the focus. They very uh, much just want you bashing heads constantly. <laughs> Uh, but it's, I, I also am, it's a very visceral game. I would say maybe not since ice. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, condemned, like the impacts and the combat are very, um, kinetic. There's, yes. there's an energy to everything, even, even maybe to a fault because the animations just kind of skip to these brutal impacts. When you take your gun out, it just frame jumps to you shooting the enemy without a oh, great yeah. transition. Yeah. Uh, and and when you smack an enemy with the baton, it's like the screen explodes in blood. It, it's it's a lot, but you feel it. And when characters eat your face off or rip your head in half, it is also them going out of their way to be like, "This game's gross, dude." I, I just I just did a fight in like a garage that has these big whirring turbines in it, and if you touch one, you get sucked into it, and it fucking <laughs> like ten seconds of the, of Josh Duhamel being slowly fed into this wood chipper segment by segment while he's screaming. It's fucking terrible. There's the one I really don't like where I think you had it in your playthrough on the stream we did on Monday, which is you get basically in a headlock and the guy just punches you over and over until yes. your face deforms. Yeah. Um, and that one's yes. pretty rough. There's, there's also one where they grab the two piece side their pieces of your jaw and rip your head in half. Yeah. And your whole um, face, just the whole skull kind of comes off the front. Which it's is really you need gnarly. to want to see that kind of it's, thing over it, and over again. It's, it's really gnarly. It's honestly a good incentive not to die. Yeah. Um, but gosh, what else is going on? Like, I, I like the use of guns in this. Like, as I, they, the guns are used almost as like a follow up to the melee combos. Like, you do a successful melee combo, and then it basically gives you an auto hit if you it'll pop a reticle on the enemy, and you have to very quickly. All you have to do is left trigger, right trigger. You don't have to aim it at all. If but but the timing window is like a split second. But if you get that, then it will like compromise the enemy in some way. Like it'll shoot one of their legs off, so then they can only crawl at you, or it'll shoot their head off, uh, stuff like that. And like it's, almost, it's, neat, it's like a little bonus to doing the melee right. And so is it 100% guaranteed once you've finished off an enemy, when you stomp, you will get something? Yes. yes. Okay. Yeah. It's kind of so, silly. They could just spawn the collectible or the, the pickup off of a dead enemy automatically, but they'd make you do the dead space stomp because, hey. Well, I mean, like you they said. know what you're the, here for. In the yeah. stream, like, uh, it maybe it goes to not dumping enemies into pits with your, uh, your TK move you have. Yeah. It's, um, I, yeah, I. Us, again, kind of barring people, the problems people are having on Xbox and PC, I think it's a real looker on the yeah. PlayStation 5, and it's, it, it's running okay for me. Yes. I've played it in quality mode as well. I mean, this, this is, I think this is literally the fourth time I've said this on a, on a microphone, but like it's the first game. I didn't expect it to happen this fast. This is the first game I'm voluntarily playing on the quality mode mm. because they actually did things that are not there in the performance mode. Like it's got a nice, smooth performance mode, but no ray tracing. Mm-hmm. And like the ray tracing hardware in these consoles is not amazing. And I just didn't expect it to be used this extensively this soon. Mm. But like there is a ton going on with shadows and kind of subsurface scatter. I mean, yes, I watched the digital foundry video, <laughs> of course, but like, you know, like they're, they're using it for a lot of like, like course reflections, not just glass and metal, but like they're using like bounce lighting for on concrete and, and lots of subtle shadowing self-shadowing on the characters like it's it's a much broader implementation than like oh these glass all these windows look a little more reflective than you have expected so far like it's actually totally a worthy a worthy trade-off to give up and, that performance and so i think i think you 
you get that because this is a pretty claustrophobic corridor game with not yeah. a ton of enemies oh, yeah. at a time. Yeah, there, there are very few instances of like it, it is literally I came in here wanting to say this feels like a successor aesthetically to Doom 3. But actually, when you put it that way, it also kind of is technically because Doom 3 was another case of yeah. we can do this for the era. Extremely advanced lighting because there are never more than like three enemies on the screen at a time. And these these environments are very tight and claustrophobic. Well, yeah. there's. That's kind of the thing I've I've not appreciated as much is the fact that like the combat is so geared toward these one-on-one encounters but they do periodically throw a few different guys at you and yeah. the way they tend to to jump in there and like you know like like basically like break up your combo and like come up from behind you while you're in the middle of a combo and stuff it just feels frustrating in a way that does not feel good it sucks it absolutely sucks like there were like three or four encounters in the first three or four hours that i literally died like five times on and was just like are you fucking kidding me are you really serious like you know there are spitting enemies and you'll be fighting like two melee guys in your face and you'll get knocked out of your combo by a guy spitting at you from 20 feet away that you like there's nothing you can do about it really and you, like you don't really have a, any, like, it's not like you have the dodge thing that you mentioned, Brad, where it's hold left to right, but you don't have, like, a sidestep or a quick, there's nothing quick about your character. There's yeah, no, no like, fast. Those, I mean, those spitters are kind of trivial by themselves because you can just laterally sidestep their spit. By Unless the, you're but, on a thin staircase, apparently, right, where... Right, or if okay. you're fighting other guys. So, so I, I, again, get baton and TK upgrades as fast as you can because, like, you can add the, T, the TK, you know, the telekinesis, like... Mm-hmm. That doesn't have damage on it by default, but that's one of the first upgrades. You can make it do damage, and you can also increase your battery level. And then at that point, like, I'm just like, dude's run on screen now. I just, like, TK one and throw him into the other one and then shoot one of their heads off and stomp the other one. Like, it's it starts feeling pretty good when you get that suit upgrade so you have more health and inventory and you start getting more weapons okay. and upgrades. Like, the melee gives it enough of a different flavor. Like... This thing is so dead space, like painfully dead space in every other way that I kind of expected. I expected like I expected to start this game with a pistol that you can turn horizontal or vertical. You know, like that's how Mm -hmm. dead space this feels. But the combat is the one place where it feels like it does set itself apart uh, in a pretty, pretty significant way. And like, I'm not always for the best. Well, again, yes, it's a very rough start. But but I I mean, I I also just enjoy like kind of breaking games over my knee, Mm. which is what I feel like I'm doing here. As I as I get more upgrades and get better at it, like it becomes pretty satisfying after a while. Um, and there's been a couple of interludes of like other environments, like you kind of go into like a habitat dome full of vegetation for a brief period, and you kind of go you go you're in a space prison here on a moon of Jupiter, by the way. Like yes. You go out you go out into the weather a little bit, but like every time it's brought me back to the same dingy kind of concrete and metal corridors after a few minutes, and I'm wondering if you ever get anything super different there visually i don't know maybe at the very end maybe yeah like i mean the whole story is also there's a mutant outbreak i guess <laughs> is that just assumed i, I mean a zombie mutant I think, slash I think demon. We don't, probably don't even have to spell that out yes yeah. there's been some kind of outbreak and everybody's turned into a horrible monster yeah and yeah the whole story is just you trying to get off uh this moon i guess the last thing i was gonna say about it is like have there been a bunch of games that cast like major film and tv actors um facially as well as voice besides death stranding 
and then, and I'm just not thinking of them, or is that still like pretty unusual? Yeah, it no, does like, happen as the like protagonist a, or as like a NPC because more NPCs than a protagonist. And like, NPCs, sure. Like, I, mean, I think it's kind of everybody in this game. Like like I talked about it on the stream. Like I didn't it didn't click with me that this is actually Josh Duhamel in the lead mm-hmm. role. I just thought it looked like him a lot until I looked at the credits and like Karen Fukuhara from uh, the Boys is mm-hmm. also in this. It's uh, interesting like, because I feel like they don't. Re- I mean, not that Josh Duhamel is like the most famous actor these days, but there really isn't a lot of character or acting that comes out of this. Like, mostly it's a lot of grimacing and a lot of, oh, fuck, I gotta go do that. Like, it's yeah. just, there's not, they're not doing a lot with the fact that they got an actor to it, play that character. Uh, that stuff is very thin at the beginning. Like, I'm, I, I'm at the point where there are more dialogue scenes and more characters being introduced, and like there okay. is some acting, and he, he does a, a good job with the very thin material that he's yeah. given. Like, the storytelling is all very straightforward and, and kind of utilitarian. It's just a lot of it's a lot of grunting and oh, I've got to go over there and flip the switch. We got to get this tram back on. We got to get the hell out of here. Fuck this place. Like, there's not a lot there. But it's executed well. Anyway, I just like I think back on Death Stranding and like Norman Reedus visibly being in that game at the time. I feel like I remember just laughing and going like, oh, Kojima, mm-hmm. like just just doing what you do. Like You put your favorite actor in this game because, of course, you did. But like, now I'm trying to think, like, is this just a common thing and I've missed it or I, I feel like do do feel like Death Stranding was one of the more significant examples of it because it wasn't just him. It was a bunch of actors that you may have seen or like filmmakers yeah, yeah. who he then cast a different voice for. But right. But there are other games. There are definitely other games that have like taken a real actor and then also given them, if not their exact face, then something pretty mm-hmm. close to it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they've, they've been putting real people in games like, you know, yeah. um, the the male shepherd in Mass Effect is a, is right. a Dutch model. I think he's Dutch or Danish. I forget. But like he's a male model. Um, Aloy, Aloy's face in Horizon is ma- modeled after a model as well, but not an actress. Like she, right. just the face model, not the performance as well. It's kind of like, it's like a different thing because it's like a marquee thing, right? It's like mm-hmm. right, you're just getting the actor, right? Here. It's like yeah. at some point our games just going to like have have a marquee cast on them, and like you're like, oh, I like so, that actor. So that, I might I might check that game out because I like this cast. That was basically mm-hmm. Jedi, right? Fallen Order. Sure. Had, uh, yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's a, that's another example. Yes. Um, that guy. And, uh, I feel like there's games like, um, of course, these are more like movies, but the supermassive games do it all the time. Sure. Uh, um, yeah. Yeah. I guess it is just a thing now. I guess uh, I just didn't expect it in this kind of game. I my my sense when you said that was <laughs> more modern games have it. But there are so many games that are just sequels to established characters like that would probably do it like God of War, La- uh, Last of Us. These are just games like <laughs> Halo that if they were made today probably would have an actor that you'd recognize. But those characters are already established and they kind of can't uh, do it. But those like those Sony first party games would absolutely do it and, and get a facial capture except their characters. Like if, if uh, Horizon were done today, they would probably... Uh, do it with an actress that you'd recognize and have that uh, done and Aloy would be a different character is my guess but you know again what do I know I'll, I'll tell you know? what I do know I want to keep going with Callisto Protocol okay. keep yeah I, I have I'm kind of in the tank for this game again despite having some serious problems like it's 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 like unplayable on PC we should say so I haven't I haven't you- played it myself but like it's it's a full-on scandal's not the right word but a kind of a hubbub a it seems kerfuffle. rough as hell it's it's like basically everybody who's tested it is basically saying like do not spend your money on this until they fix it. Do you do you see that stuff going around that it was a bad patch 
Um, yeah, I don't know how much stock to put into that. I mean, it's like that that kind of that specific kind of shader compilation issue that it's having is very common to Unreal Engine games. Mm-hmm. So, like that seems maybe not super plausible. I don't know. Um, yeah, on PS5 so far, been okay. I think again, but, a couple yeah. of like weird uh, gameplay bugs, but nothing. I, nothing I probably would even mention other than people are talking about bugs other places. Yeah, I mean, I, I've had some weird stuff. Like, it spawned in an area that I had cleared. It spawned all the pickups back in, like all the... Oh, upgrade. you mentioned it, like, reconstructed everything? Well, that was a different one. So I've oh. had it kind of reset the world visibly around me once, and then this time it was, like, all the credits and health upgrades and stuff hmm. reappeared everywhere, but I couldn't pick any of them up, which was very confusing. Like, some, some Could have been, been a good bug. Some some jank. The animation is pretty rough. Anyway, we don't we don't have to talk about this game forever. But I'm like, I just I love survival horror games. Like I love like I'm super stoked for the Dead Space remake, and I I don't think RE4 needed a remake, but I will totally play that as well. Still still fiddling with that RE8 DLC. I'm gonna finish that. I just love third person survival horror games, and this is this is a good one with some interesting combat tweaks uh, or a different spin on combat, and like it's. It's very familiar in some ways, but it looks very good, and I think it, I'm, I'm. I would give it a four out of five if I was still reviewing games on the PS Five. Based on yes, yes based, based on where I'm at right now. The uh, the thing worth mentioning: it is seventy dollars on console, sixty dollars on the PC. Um, that's gonna kind of definitely be, don't pay that on PC right now. <laughs> yeah, um, maybe the unspoken case for a, a little bit here. Um, As we move into our next game after the break, we'll come back with some Marvel's Midnight Suns. Stick around. This week's show is brought to you by Rocket Money. Brad Shoemaker, Alex Navarro. I bet you guys have subscriptions. I had a lot of subscriptions. I had too many subscriptions, and at a certain point... I had to drill down. I had to. I had to focus. I had to make sure that I did not have so many subscriptions anymore. You had to take time out of your day, my busy schedule, your time, which is worth more than anything, to find those subscriptions and cancel. Brad Shoemaker, do you live a subscription lifestyle? I am just a walking monthly bill at this point. <laughs> it's the world we live in. If you need help, boy, guys, I got some. Uh, I got some news for you. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills all in one place. It says here that most people think they're spending $80 on their subscriptions, but in reality, the number is closer to 200 My God. What are we even doing? With Rocket Money, you can easily cancel the ones you don't want with just the press of a button. Rocket Money also lets you monitor all your expenses in one place, recommends custom budgets based on your past spending, and they'll even send you notifications when you've reached your spending limits. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions and manage your money the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com nextlander. That's rocketmoney.com nextlander. Rocketmoney.com nextlander. Thanks, Rocket Money. And we are back with another game that is um, $70 on console, 60 on PC. Marvel's Midnight Suns, available on a PlayStation 5, Xbox Series X and S, and PC. No PlayStation 4 or um, 
or uh, older Xbox, Xbox One. Do they still make Xbox One games, or we're done with Xbox? Yes, oh, yeah, they they are. definitely. I, I, I didn't definitely I thought, are. I, I thought this game was cross-gen. Is it I really don't think not? those versions are out yet. Oh, oh are they coming okay. later? Because this. Sh- I had, no yeah. offense to them. It sure <laughs> looks like a previous gen game. Yeah, we need yeah, to talk was, about that. I was going to say maybe there's nothing in there that I would think would prevent it from coming yeah, to definitely this. not from what I am seeing. Uh, Alex, what do you think of Midnight Sun so far? All right, so this is for Axis. This is obviously the makers of the recent XCOM games and the Civ games. Uh, and when this was initially pitched, it definitely had a vibe of we were going to try to do XCOM, but with the Marvel superheroes. But as they showed more of it, it became clear that it was, while there are certainly elements in there, especially visually, that you can divine as being very Firaxis, uh, it is more of a card-building strategy game uh, where you are, when you go into battle, you have a team of an X number of heroes, and each of them have a limited number of attacks they can use based on cards they are assigned. And it's all turn-based and you are trying to clear the area, the objectives and the mission designs have the flavoring of, of an XCOM, mm-hmm. where you're, like, securing locations, you're taking out waves of enemies, uh, you're trying to get, you know, trying to extract people, that kind of thing. But the actual flow of combat is very different, and is much more about environmental attacks and making sure that you're, you know, clearing the space and getting the stuff you need to get, and all, th- all through the while, you have a limited number of cards you can play each turn. The other side of the game is this Abbey, which is not really the ant farm from the XCOM games, but I'd say is more... I've seen people compare it somewhat unfavorably to Mortal Kombat's The Crypt. I think in some aspects that is correct. I think it has a little bit more in common with the story mode running around the wrestle-slash-basketball towns in the 2K sports games. Um, You go around this Abbey, and you are interacting with the different Marvel heroes on the Midnight Suns, and you are building relationships with them through various activities that involve hanging out a lot, which is a very funny thing to put as a crux for a game that is about a world-ending apocalypse coming from a demon lady. Are, are you telling me that you don't want to S-Link with Blade? It's not that I don't want to S-Link with Blade. I very much do. And Blade, by the way, is probably the most enjoyable of all the heroes that are currently in my group. Um... But there's a couple of things here that feel like they're kind of at odds with one another. One is that I do think the combat systems and the the missions and all that stuff are pretty fun. I think they're pretty engaging. But there is a lot of around-the-edges stuff that does not feel as interesting, that feels like maybe there is a little too much of it. And a lot of that is the Abbey. Mm. And they are unfortunately let down. They are trying to tell, I think... Not an ambitious story, but they are trying to tell a fairly fleshed out one involving all your favorite Marvel characters. And unfortunately, one, Guardians of the Galaxy exists, and they did a version of this where you get to hang out with heroes you like. And they did so in a story that was really good and with characterizations that were really good. The story here is fine. The characterizations here range from good to fine. Mm. The technology around it is deeply unexpressive in a way that I think lets down the storytelling they're trying to do. Yeah, I agree with that. I um, this, Sorry, when, when we were streaming it the other day, somebody in chat said, this kind of looks like The Sims 4. Yes! <laughs> and like I was like, you know, I, 
you're not wrong. Like something, just something about the kind of glassy eyed, like the, the, like you said, there is a lack of expressiveness in the characters that is kind of underserving the storytelling. So, so there, you have a, you have a character that you basically, they created for this game. You get some, some very minor, the hunter, the hunter, uh, you get some very minor character customization just in terms of kind of, um, a little bit of look and I think gender. And I think that's about it in the customization. It's not like you're picking a background or powers or anything like that off. The no, your the background gate. is, is essentially established. You are the child of Lilith, this demon lady that has been resurrected by Hydra. So as the, as they're, you're kind of collecting heroes to the midnight sun's cause, which is to take on, uh, the oncoming doom that Alex mentioned and, and Lilith kind of storming in. Yeah, it almost feels like you're just running through options in a spreadsheet with other characters. Like you're just kind of going up to them into dialogue trees that also incorporate some kind of morality choice that seems not that engaging as well. Almost a Paragon Renegade system where if you pick one or the other and they tell you which is going to be your, I forget what exactly what they call it, good guy, bad guy choice, you can unlock abilities down that tree later on yeah. so the more points you have chosen in this one the more you get but they don't feel great and they don't seem that meaningful of of choices to make at least the ones i've made so far and they always allow, they usually allow you to pick a middle one that is nothing yeah so um, and in some cases the middle one is the one that the character re- seems to respond to the best but <laughs> yeah so you're also getting plus one or two or three friendship points for characters as you're uh interacting with them you can choose to go read a book with them in a in a cozy little nook. Bird watching. You can bird watch, paint with them. Yeah. You can train with them to kind of uh, get your social links up. That part has just not been my favorite, and I think a lot of it has to do with yeah. It feels like you're just doing drop downs on a spreadsheet uh, for characters, and and that doesn't seem that engaging. And also, the entire team so far feels completely disjointed. There's nothing cohesive about the Abbey or the characters I'm bumping into. It feels like the feels like I can sense the systems churning in the background most of yes. the time. It doesn't feel organic. It feels like oh, there's you know Captain Marvel. It has nothing to do really with Blade's <laughs> obsession with her. Right, uh, Blade. Blade is going to be swooning. You know, th- nothing feels organic. And I think bringing up Guardians is a great counterpoint where everything felt natural and organic in yes. those relationships. Like, the game itself, Guardians, was a pretty straightforward, pretty linear game, so there wasn't really a lot of room to, like, give the player choice or give the player, like, you know, any real agency beyond, like, here's the missions, here's the characters, go talk to them. But it didn't matter, because they really specced that thing in a way that allowed the characters and the story to thrive in the environment that they they built for it. And I think, I mean, here it's a couple of things. I think they're striving for a much more like a much more curated narrative than you would ever get in an XCOM game. You know, like an XCOM, the narrative comes entirely out of the gameplay. The story of your heroes living, dying, doing heroic shit, it's never really spelled out for you. You're just kind of left to glean, you know, what what actually happened there with a limited amount of cutscenes uh, kind of in churning in the background. This game feels like it's built on a similar technology to those games that was never meant to present characters and story the way that they are doing here. And it's letting it down because I do think there are some interesting things they're doing with the Marvel heroes and the way they've choose to portray them here. But your relationship to them, them never feels all that natural. 
And it feels more like, especially considering they kick this shit off right away. The way they immediately introduce you to like, hey, you're going to hang out with these people feels forced in a way that does not feel like of a kind with like the Mass Effects or the Personas social link type stuff that they seem to be striving for here. There, There is no just playing the strategy game and completely ignoring or bypassing the story stuff, right? Like you yeah. have to you have to go through all the conversations that they want you to and stuff right between missions. Like there I mean, are there are things you can skip over, but by and large, they will they want you very much. They are really hurting you toward that stuff. It's an area. It's a hub area. Yeah. Like you're unlocking areas of that hub through different means, whether it's story or you learn spells to open up uh, different areas later on. There are collectibles in those areas. Like you're navigating this hub area, finding your hangout spots. And the reason we're talking so much about it is, I would say for my time with it, it's. Maybe it's been two thirds quite, of my time with it. So yeah, far. it's it's a lot. I was going to say maybe it's sixty or seventy percent of my time is in the dialogue trees and not the combat. And then, and again, the combat is fun and I like it. And there's a decent depth to it. You're upgrading cards. You're you're kind of choosing what your deck is going to be for each character. There's you're pulling in bonuses when you train with those characters between missions. So like, there's a there's reason to bring them on the next mission after you do that. Yeah, there's synergy between characters. There, you know, it's got a lot of. Uh, I would, I wouldn't necessarily say it feels like you're playing the best version of your Marvel ideal of these characters. Like, does it feel like I'm playing Captain Marvel? To, I don't know, not really. Like, yeah, she can fire beams out of her hands, and you know, she can go Super Saiyan and all that, but. Mm-hmm. It's still kind of turn-based, and depending on the cards you get, that's going to dictate the moves you get. The more interesting thing is the positionality of the combat and knocking characters around the screen and comboing different things. So basically, you have a limited set of cards you can play, and a big part of their combat arena is there will be a certain amount of minions that take just one hit and um, certain cards in your hand that actually refund the cost of the card if you kill somebody with it. So you can knock off, you know, a certain amount of characters by bouncing them into each other, getting collision damage, knocking them uh, environmentally into things that make it really interesting to kind of take the arena and the, and the landscape. But I don't know, you could have called Captain Marvel, you know, laser hands, and I would have basically felt like, okay, I like to use, like, did this have to be licensed? I don't, I don't know. Alex, what do you think? Are you getting like, I, like in depth? Are you feeling you? Cause you're somewhat into the universe. I know you're not deep into the Marvel universe, but you, not you're the aware. One, no. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, I'm I aware like- of most of these heroes. Like I know them, um, outside of a couple of them, but yeah, I don't know. Like, I just feel like, I think you can't like, I, I understand that you're, you're in a weird position when you have to take something that is like as big a license as this. And you have to like try and do your own spin on it. I feel like these characterizations, with the exception of a couple, Tony Stark in particular, hew more toward the comics than the the movie versions of them. But the bigger issue for me is that just very few of them are really standout. Mm. Like, there's good actors portraying them, but a lot of the dialogue that I've had with them so far, especially the introductory dialogue, which is very robotic, it is very. Let me tell you every personality trait about my character. And I understand that they have to do a certain amount of introduction in case, say, you don't know the backstory of Captain Marvel. 
But the way she just sort of didactically goes through, okay, well, I was a fighter pilot, I did this, I have this, I did this, you know, all that kind of thing, it doesn't feel natural at all. And I think that is where it's starting to fall apart for me, is that the lack of chemistry is making it hard for me to feel invested in wanting to continue to do this stuff. There's also a fair amount, and I'm just going to bring my own opinion on this, so feel free to correct me, of what feels like MCU snark to all the characters. That is the Tony Stark thing. (laughs) Well, there's definitely Tony Stark, but every character has this, like, you know, I don't know. Like, you're not really taking anything seriously, maybe except for Blade. Blade Blade is taking things very seriously. Also, Blade's jokes are the only ones I've laughed at so far. Like, when he starts talking about how much he hates vampire movies, I thought that was kind of funny. But, yeah. like, it's it's fits and starts of, of being funny. And, yeah, I don't know. I think I think they were striving for a level of ambition that the the that unfortunately the 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 game they built around it maybe just was not a hundred percent up to the task for because I think again I, I I don't come to Firaxis looking necessarily for like deep narrative but I appreciate that they are striving for something that is a little more in that in that vein here I just think that in a year I, I, I the unfortunate thing is I, I I think Mario and Rabbids did a much more interesting spin on XCOM this year than this. <laughs> thing is and i understand it's not just xcom but i'm saying taking that kind of notion and doing something a little bit more outside the box with it i feel like martin rabbits just had a much more successful approach and pace and everything it's a weird game to compare it to i know but it is it is very similar and i just think here the disparate pieces don't feel like they all fit together it makes me look forward to the next xcom yeah honestly it makes me look forward to maybe them doing another one of these because i feel like this is they have a framework here. Mm. They could really build something interesting around another time. And I'm going to keep playing it because I am having fun with it. I just, I wish there was less of the stuff around the margins of the combat. Marvel's Midnight Suns out now on PlayStation 5, Xbox Series X and S and PC, uh, TBD on other platforms, I think including Switch. I wonder when or if there will be a an XCOM 3 wasn't there one like like announced or or at least uh, rumor, not, rumored not, out there? Not not that I know of. No, so they did that little small game, the the one with the uh like the X cops. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Cell shaded one. I can't, yeah, I can't they, remember the name of that game. But they did that as like kind of a proof of concept, I think, for like what they might try and do in the next one. But they never officially announced a new game. <clears throat> Chimera Squad. Chimera, Chimera Squad, Squad. That's right. That was all right. Yeah, that was all right. Um. Also, you saying maybe this didn't need to be a licensed game makes me just wish it was like a Freedom Force style, like satirical, yeah, fake superhero team because that would have been more entertaining. It's a tougher sell though, because like, I mean, look, people love Marvel shit still, and mm. you know, I mean, look, I'm playing that Marvel Snap game. Like, I'm oh not, yeah, yeah, I'm not I, immune I, to it. I get it. It's hugely popular. I understand why they do it, but I mean, like, filling this so chock full with story stuff for somebody like me who not only has no affinity for current Marvel stuff, but is kind of actively, actively repelled by a lot of it. Like also, the strategy stuff looks cool in this game, but having to slog through all that dialogue just is not appealing. I'm also really curious if they're actually going to let you romance anyone because so far I haven't been able to. And like considering how they- deeply sexless, like the Marvel movies are, I wonder if maybe they aren't allowed to let you go all the way with that. I don't know if you are. I thought I saw some stuff that said you do not. 
That, oh, that I mean, that's sad, but that does make a certain amount of sense considering, again, the license. Marvel does not believe sex exists. Man, <laughs> my, my girlfriend was watching a YouTube montage of Golden Girls clips the other night. And now this that's now sexy. Marks, this, this now marks the second time I have heard the phrase go all the way this week. Mm-hmm. Go all the way. Well, let me guess it was Blanche. Um, no. Sophia? Uh, uh, God, what is B. Arthur's? Dorothy. Dorothy. It was Dorothy. Okay. In, refer- in reference to her mother. Okay. Dorothy was, Dorothy's mom was going to go all the way. Mm-hmm. It was more of a did you with God, who was a Tony Del Vecchio. Of course she did. Of course she did. Of course she did. Uh, Marvel's Midnight Suns. Out now. Um, I think I'm going to try and finish up Callisto and then come back to Midnight Suns. Uh, I don't know how long each of those are, but it feels like Callisto feels much more manageable at this point. In my I'm pretty sure Midnight it will Suns. be shorter than Midnight Suns is overall. Can I, can I just, let's just loop this all back together and then move on. Mm-hmm. It was Tony Del Vecchio, excuse uh, me. Mm-hmm. Tony Del Vecchio. Played by, played by Cesar Romero. Okay. Mm. Who, it's the Joker, right? The original, the original, the original Joker? TV Joker. Yes, that was okay, Cesar yes. Romero. See, there you go. Marvel tie-in. Let's move on. Well, that which was DC. Which is DC. But, oh, oh, that's DC. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Is, okay, let's definitely it. move on. Superhero, supervillain stuff. Tell, yes. Tells uh-huh. you how much I think about comic stuff uh-huh. on a yeah. day basis. Um... I played a game that was recommended to me on our Discord, so thanks for the recommendation. Cold, cold, cool, uh, cold. Uh, sword ship, and what is sword ship? You may wonder. It's kind of a neat, small. It's twenty dollars. It's on Xbox um, and PlayStation and PC. Small shooter without the shooting. Let's say it. You are kind of um, going from the the screen. You're okay. You're in a ship, a sword ship. The setup is everything's moved underwater and you're kind of like a pirate stealing cargo once in a while. But this is very future. This is very future stuff. Um, It's very fast. Your ship doesn't have any guns or anything like that. But the enemies around you are going to be shooting at you and um, targeting you. And you can have them destroy each other as you're going. Along the way, you're trying to intercept cargo that will pop up on the screen almost like a spy hunter ish kind of thing when you get into the van uh cargo will pop up and you kind of have to intercept it and then drop it off later on in this level the screen is kind of static like you would imagine a vertical shooter like the background is just kind of scrolling as you're kind of going and and moving but it's got a great speed and vibe and soundtrack to it. I've, i've really enjoyed it so far it's it's actually kind of difficult and uh, arcade like, they they refer to it as a dodge 'em up. Sure, I, sure, yes, yes. You're uh, dodging a lot of stuff. The first thing I thought of when I saw this game was Homeworld. Like, okay. just I mean, they're the completely different. Ships. They're completely different kind of games, but the color palette, the kind of flat shading, even even some of the ship design, just reminds me a lot of the first Homeworld. Yeah, I. I it's a yes. cool look. Yeah, it's neat. It's it's very arcade like. Uh, and to the point where after you get a cargo container, you can either donate those cargo containers to your high score, or you can cannibalize them for upgrades and lives if you want. So if you're going for a score run, you can kind of dump those cargo containers into that pot, or you can break them open to get, uh, upgrades and the whatnot. And it's run based. You will basically do a run when you run out of lives, you will start over. You do unlock some additional ships with different upgrades, like EMP blast and stuff like that. It's really neat. Um, 
it's kind of tough to describe because there's nothing exactly quite like it, but uh, it's worth checking out a trailer and seeing if you're interested in at the least. It's called called Swordship. Swordship again. Swordship. On consoles and on PC, twenty dollars. I think it was on sale when I checked it out. Not a Game Pass game, as far as I could tell. So, kind of wish it were, as I'm still in that Game Pass ecosystem. Uh, Brad, you did it. Mm. Your victory royale. Mm. Congratulations, <laughs> brother. You're now a Fortnite streamer. I played Fortnite. You've gone legit. Not only played uh, Fortnite, you, you this, got your royale and you're this, on your way to the championship. Uh, the opinions seem mixed out there about how much of your first match is populated by bots. Uh-huh. Some people some people say it's all of it, some people say it's some of it. Uh-huh. I did I did come in first with 15 kills in my first Fortnite match. Get, a decent number of those may have been bots, but like I don't know, at least some of it felt like real players. I don't know. That's what they want you to feel. Uh well, got, again, like I I, I went you. out looking for I looked for opinions in the Fortnite community and people seem mm-hmm. mixed on what exactly the composition is there. Anyway, this could have been a news story if I hadn't actually downloaded the game and played it. Um but Fortnite Chapter 4 started on Sunday, and they just straight-up stealth rebased the game on Unreal Engine 5. 5.1, even, mm-hmm. actually, is what they're saying. And this is the first time Fortnite has been... <laughs> Wait for applause. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, um, the they're story, okay, okay, story okay, being, as, as far as released games go, this is one of the ones out there on unreal five to, to add context. There are essentially no unreal engine five games out there. Yeah. Like okay. that, they put out that matrix tech demo was that this year. That was, that was last year. That was the end of last. Oh, year. that's right. That was about this time last year. I keep trying to figure out if there are any others on the market. There might be one or two, but I'm not aware of them, but I mean, UE five is a huge fucking deal for this generation. Once games start shipping on it, because everybody uses unreal at this point. And some of the tech they are pushing in that thing is is straight up transformational. Um, so this shipped this the new version of Fortnite shipped with all of that stuff, nanite, lumen, kind of the whole kit and caboodle. Um, what do you think? Not a fast paced battle royale game. Maybe the worst possible showcase for like a bunch of new engine tech because you're too busy. Like okay. You're too busy trying not to die, or if you go in there with the express purpose of just looking at all the graphics. You're okay. going to get booted out of the match very quickly because somebody's just going to waste you in the first 10 seconds. Uh, I guess you could keep spectating after that if you wanted to. Um, it's tough to say. I just played the one match and it, I had some severe stutter going into it. I mean, <laughs> I mean, severe. Um, what were you playing on? I, I've got a 3080. My CPU is still a 7700K, which upgrade plans are in motion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's very old. Uh the, the stuttering mostly cleared up by the time I hit the ground. Like, I, you should go look at some side by side comparisons, or you guys should just try it yourselves. I've seen some like, of the lighting shots. Yeah, they've compared it is it is significant. Some of the, some of the global illumination stuff, and it looks incredible. Um, but again, like this kind of cartoony, brightly lit multiplayer game is like maybe not the best showcase for that. Mm. Uh, you don't have time to soak it all in. Not really. Did and it's just any- like, you know, you can like, there are buildings you can go. I, I, I intentionally landed in a village so I could go see some interior, exterior contrast. Mm-hmm. And like, you see it for sure. Like, so you for see, you definitely see the bounce lighting and, and all the kind of nice subtle shadowing everywhere and stuff like that. So for the uninitiated, 
uh, when you talk about lumen and nanite, what are you talking about? Nanite is the virtualized geometry thing that allows them to never have level of detail popping again. Okay. Because you just load your high-res assets straight into the game and it, it just takes them. Like the super high-poly, not fit for real-time performance models. Uh, and just, it, it tessellates everything dynamically in some fancy way that I don't fully understand. There are white papers out there if you care. Uh, but the point is, like you, like, you just make your high-res like film-quality models and it just takes them straight in and handles all the dynamic level detail stuff transparently. And Lumen so is the uh, and Lumen is their global illumination uh, system, which is not entirely ray tracing based, in my understanding. But anyway, okay, not worth getting into that stuff. But I mean, like you know, the, the GI is the is the thing you want in video games for lighting. It's it's the thing that fully kind of generalizes the lighting. So it's like, hey, like you might only have the sun in this as a light source in this environment, but everything is lit naturally because light just bounces and, and shadows like it would naturally. So a little less faking it on the developer yes, end. Okay. Very much so. Neat. And um, it's free. It's a free, yes, free yes, way to check it out. It's free. So yes, <laughs> great reason for them to put it out there. So maybe gets people like me to download Fortnite that wouldn't well, have cared otherwise. I mean, not only for them, but for unreal, a great way to test out their engine and see what's working out there. Cause I, the player base on unreal or sorry on Fortnite, pretty big. Yeah. Yeah. Still for sure. Pretty, pretty for big. Sure. So there's no, there's no way to not be on five. One, no, but you can turn all this stuff off. Like there, you can turn you can. off. Okay. You can turn off Lumen and Nanite and all that. And 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 there, oh, there really? is a layer of okay. ray tracing on top of those features that is also optional. You can turn all that stuff off if you want. Interesting. Okay. Um, but I was even after the stuttering cleared up, I was not. I was barely hitting sixty frames a second or less. Okay. With everything maxed at fourteen forty p. So. And is that uh? Is it also updated on consoles? It will be. Is yeah. It running? Apparently, you can absolutely. I, I don't know to what extent this stuff is implemented but it, you can absolutely see some of this stuff on ps5 and series x cool so for a sneak peek of what might be in the development hopper for i don't know what would you say <laughs> not maybe would you I say 2023 yeah i, I should okay list of like, unreal engine 5 games that's what i was gonna ask do we know like what the next like what the first big third party one is gonna be there Could- are Definitely a bunch of games confirmed to be using it. Uh, I haven't heard of any of these. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Literally any of these. Redfall is a UE5 game. Okay. That's a multiplayer. That's been in development for a while. Okay. Yeah. That was supposed to come out this year originally. Arc 2. God, there are a ton that I just don't know a thing about. You know, I mean, their licensing model is such that, like, you know, that's why everybody uses Unreal, or one of the reasons, right? Is that the smallest indies to the biggest AAA stuff are all using it. Silent Hill 2 remake is on UE5. Okay. Silent Hill Townfall is as well. Um, let's see. This says Respawn's Star, oh, Star Wars FPS game. So not Jedi Survivor, but that first person shooter that Respawn is making in the Star Wars universe will be UE5. The Witcher uh, stuff is supposed to be UE5, Yes, right? I believe that Witcher remake is UE5. Yes. Oh, the, the new um, Hellblade 2 Cinema Saga. Okay. Uh, oh, right, that, that game. Uh-huh. Yeah, Boy, I forgot that thing existed. That's still happening. I bet that comes out next year. I bet it will, too. I just, I totally forgot about it. Like, that would be a great game to see some mm. some fancy graphical stuff. Dragon Quest Twelve apparently, a UE5 game? Uh, Stalker 2. Is, is Dead Space Frostbite? Uh, I don't know. They're I'm still sure. frostbiting a lot of stuff at EA. Um... Okay. 
but they have moved away from it to some extent, you know, like that previous Jedi Fallen Order was unreal. Okay. No, Need for Speed says, was was is Frostbite. This this yes, this Dead Space remake is also Frostbite. Frostbite. Okay. Dead Space 2 re- remake will be unreal. Yes. Mm-hmm. Certainly. All right. Um well, I'm kind of curious I might boot up my Fortnite as well just to kind of yeah. see what's going on there and Yeah, uh, and it'd, it'd be worth taking a look at it on consoles if you don't want to mess with it on PC because apparently there's a, a good bit to see there as well. Yeah. Uh neat Fortnite free it only cost you everything. Uh, chapter four available. I sure now. did fill like five progress meters and get a whole bunch of currency and tick off a whole bunch of missions and stuff off of that one match in a way did, that might suggest like, oh wow, I've made so much progress. Maybe I should keep playing. So think how much more progress you would have made with the battle mm-hmm. pass. I know. Uh, did you build anything in your match? No, I was playing um, zero build mode. Okay. I think that's how most people are playing these days. I know nothing about Fortnite. All right, Alex. I'm sorry, State of Decay 3 is a UE5 game. I really want to play State of Decay 3. Oh, that's okay. Uh, Alex, fill me in on your updated thoughts on Need for Speed Unbound. So I played more of it, and we saw, we did a stream, a grab bag stream last week, and we saw a little bit more of, like, what the campaign is actually about, which is uh, betrayal. Um, Oh. But now I'm kind of in more of the rhythm of it, of the, you're playing through various days and you're trying to build up to these Saturday night, like big races where you can win a lot more money and also try and track down this person who betrayed you. Um, it is an extremely standard street racing game, but that is the thing that continues to vex me is that there's nothing wrong with it. As far as I can tell, Mm. like apart from a little bit of the voice acting, not being great. It is a completely solid driving game. It is it is a decent it is decent through and through. And I continue to be baffled by the fact that they just sort of tossed this thing out there the way they did because there are far worse games than this that get way more fanfare from even publishers mm-hmm. like EA. And this is a big franchise. Like this is Need for I, Speed. I'm getting this like weird premonition of like 10 years from now people still talking about unbound as this gem that got buried and you know like this cult cult favorite where they're like bring unbound back i don't know about a gem it's a nice rock you've seen rocks like this before but it's okay. you know it's high this, quality it's been polished a little is this is this is, is unbound the cubic zirconia of uh racing games yeah probably i mean <laughs> okay. again it is it is very familiar in a lot of ways, but I, I, you know, I've been enjoying kind of the mission structure and kind of the, the rhythm of going in, doing the street races every day and every night, trying to get rid of my heat level at night. And then I don't know, like I, the city I think is not particularly interesting. And again, I, I think some of the voice acting stuff is, is kind of rough, but I, I wasn't, I was expecting way worse than what I got. Fair. And the fact that I'm continuing to play it is in itself kind of a testament to like, how how bizarre it is that this thing just kind of got tossed out there because I would have just completely passed over this thing if it had actually gotten a real development and promotional cycle. And instead, I out of sheer curiosity, I'm now digging into it and I'm like, it's actually kind of good. It's, it's pretty good. It's pretty okay. good. It's pretty It's, it's a pretty, pretty good. good. It feels like a solid seven. D dollars. <laughs> I, fully, I fully support this new era of us just throwing uh-huh. out throwing out perspective scores from past review scales to, yes. to yeah. quantify how we feel about games. 
you you can't see the face I'm making, but it's the face that was in the uh, it's the middle face that was on the uh, was a Game Informer face scale. Of, no, uh, Game Pro, uh, uh, Game, Game Pro. Pro, the Game Pro face scale. Yeah. That's uh, what I'm making. <laughs> yep, you're making it now. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, cool. Need for Speed Unbound. Yeah, I mean, again, I might say wait for it to be a little bit cheaper before taking the plunge if you're not sure or you just haven't liked the last spate of Need for Speed games, but. I, I think there's something here. Cool. You can check yeah. out, if you're curious, you can check out our stream of it from last week where Alex played uh, some Need for Speed Unbound. Mm-hmm. It, it, it feels it feels like a prime candidate for it'll be on Game Pass in three to six months because of EA Play being on Game Pass. That mm. seems right. Mm. Again, $70 wherever you find your, your games. So that's Need for Speed Unbound. We talked about Fortnite. We talked about Sword Ship. We talked about Marvel's Midnight Suns, and of course, at the top there, we talked about the Callisto Protocol. Those are the games we will be talking about for this week, which means we're going to take a break, and we're going to come back and talk about the news. Stick around. This week's show is brought to you by Bespoke Post. Alex Navarro, you know I love packages. I mean, I get them all the time. It's always an exciting time when a box arrives at your door. It is always an exciting time. Sometimes they open that box and it's from Bespoke Post. And inside that box, like this week, is a knife. It's a, a, you know, a thing I can use when I need to cut things. I think this one, I, this, I've gotten more than a few knives from Bespoke Post. Are you trying this- to say that when you get a knife, the thing you need to do with a knife is knife? I might have gotten around to said that in a shorter way. I, yes. Yeah. All right. Uh, this one was a specifically a fishing knife, which means it's got uh, all the things you need to fillet a fish, let's say, or, or field dress a fish. Bespoke Post puts together a box of awesome. And things inside that box range from whiskey glasses, which I've gotten. I've gotten uh, incense things that I still have and use in my bathroom. Uh, and sometimes, occasionally, a knife uh, that will go inside a kit. That is themed because, Alex Navarro, you take a quiz at boxofawesome.com. Your answers will help them pick the right Box of Awesome for you. They release new boxes every month across a ton of different categories, and each box is valued at around $70, but you're only going to pay a fraction of that price. This is one of my favorite parts, Alex. With each Box of Awesome, you're supporting small businesses. 90% of everything that comes in your Box of Awesome is from a small, up-and-coming brand. It's free to sign up, and you can skip a month or cancel at any time. To get 20% off your first monthly box, sign up at boxofawesome.com and enter the code NEXTLANDER at checkout. That's boxofawesome.com. Code NEXTLANDER for 20% off your first box. Boxofawesome.com. Code NEXTLANDER. Thanks, Bespoke Post. And we are back. And my excitement, still extremely high. I hope you've mm-hmm. stayed with us, and I hope your excitement has remained high. Video games, just do it for me. You know what uh-huh. I'm saying? Does paying more for them do it for you? Yeah, of course. Pay what the product is. I love giving my money to gigantic 
corporations that will then go consolidate and use that money to fund deal. No, I'm kidding. Hopefully it's going right into the pockets of hardworking developers straight from my wallet to their bank accounts. I'm sure that's how it goes. Brad, why do you bring that up? Uh, Microsoft is finally pulling the trigger and all of their releases going forward will be $70. So that's first party Microsoft. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. All first party releases. They, they confirmed this to IGN. So Redfall, Starfield, you name it, games coming out of Microsoft, Xbox first party will, are they the last holdouts? Like I've kind of lost track. I'd PC, PC, PC notwithstanding. Cause like you're still getting situations where $70 console games are 60 on steam, mm-hmm. but on the console, I'm trying to think if anybody else has stuck at 60 straggled this long. I think I they're, they were the main holdouts like unbound. Like we talked about like unbound was 70, right? Unbound was 70, yes. Callisto is 70, Midnight yeah. Suns is 70. Like Sony yes. Sony has been there for a while. Sony loves 70. They jumped head first into that one. Um, Sony had the trouble with the PS4, PS5, 70, 60 problem. Still kind of has a problem with it. Yeah. And you know, some some were there at launch. I remember like 2K was wasn't was an NBA $70 at console launch. Yes. And that was kind of a big, a big hubbub. So it's been kind of a long time. I'm, if anything, I'm impressed that Microsoft held out this long. I'm sure if EA put out other games, they would also be 70. So, <laughs> uh-huh. um, yeah, I, uh, 70 seems to be where it's going. And the, the story you linked from IGN kind of, it, it, does it make it sound like this is the first of some other price increases? I know Phil Spencer has said, Hey, we can't hold off the console and services price increases forever, but we will for the holiday season. Do you think we'll game, get something game, next year? Games and games and services. Yes. It's kind of harder for me to see Microsoft raising console prices. Well, especially now. I mean, I, I know that inflation is not fully under control, but I feel like it has slowed to a degree. Yeah, I mean, they're reportedly they're already eating a loss on Series X's. So what's a little more of a loss, I guess? But I mean, the big thing is that, you know, they've got Game Pass. Like they just right. need to get hardware into homes for people to sign up to Game Pass on. Mm-hmm. So they're 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 much more understandably positioned for, to use the consoles as a loss leader than Sony is. Yeah. And yeah. So 70 bucks, um, you know, it's an interesting value proposition. If they don't necessarily increase the price of game pass in the immediate future, because Mm -hmm. you could, one could argue the value of game pass just went up. If the, if the price of the game goes up. Yes. This is immaterial to people who have game pass because they're getting all the Xbox stuff. They want anyway, which they certainly were eager to point out to the state in the statement they gave to IGN. Right. As with all our game, all games developed by our teams at Xbox, they will be available on game pass day one. And as Microsoft continues to hoover up, the video game industry or attempts to who knows what that first party lineup will look like in 2023. I'm looking at the Activision story we have mm-hmm. been reporting on. Yeah. Report- reporting like still- is not the right word. No, talking no. about <laughs> Regurgitating. <laughs> yeah. Yes. 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 Uh, bumbling about. This is the most original um, <laughs> reporting we've ever done. <laughs> yes. uh, I mean that there are developments in that category week by week i just i passed them over this week because they're mostly just a rehash of like microsoft is offering 10-year deals for call of duty to like everybody now yeah Yeah. Uh, which like including nintendo and steam like it was the the gabe newell statement on that is worth reading if you want to go out and find it it's pretty funny like for a lot of reasons number one number one he declines their offer 
basically saying like, yeah, we think Microsoft already has all the motivation it needs to keep putting Call of Duty on Steam. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's what my gut would say, that sell more software. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's the place where people want to buy Call of Duty, so of course they're going to do that. Um, but also, like, I mean, you know, like, Gabe f- famously founded Valve as kind of an anti-Microsoft studio. Like, he came out of Microsoft. He came out of the the 80s and 90s stack-ranking hell of my, of old Microsoft, which I think is where the flat structure of Valve originated from in the first place. Anyway, he, like, he's got some pretty glowing comments about Phil Spencer in that statement. Mm, that's nice. And, like, Gabe is not a guy who has to say anything other than what he thinks. True. Um, like, specifically he, he, about Phil Spencer? He, he mentions Phil Spencer by name, saying, like, hey, like, Phil, I, I'm paraphrasing, but, you know, Phil has been a straight shooter, and we expect, you know, we have no reason to expect them to do anything other than what they say they will. God, imagine if Magic kind of were still trying to handle all of this. What a different Microsoft it would be. Different, different, by very different. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, you know, Microsoft raising prices. I think we all knew this was going to come eventually. I, at least, I felt like eventually they would go to seventy. The market seems to have moved to seventy for big, big releases. We'll see what yeah, happens was, with their services. Yeah, it was just a question of how long it would take, and two years is definitely longer than I would have expected. Yeah, not that they're putting out a lot of games. To be fair, like, no. Xbox well, has not had that many first party releases this year. I mean, Again, they'll be you, doing more hopefully in the near future, but yeah. when you think about their acquisition of studios, it's almost impossible for them to not put out games at, you know, at some point they just, if a game comes out, you almost have a 30% chances from a studio owned by Microsoft. Let's talk about, let's talk again about Yuji Naka. Yeah, oh, we're yeah. back to this again. <laughs> Yuji Naka got arrested again for insider trading again. Uh, there I, are two things about this story that are in, of interest to me that I'm glad you put this on here. One is I'm glad that he will never escape that Balan Wonder uh, Wonderland Wonder World Wonderworld Wonder mm-hmm. World picture of him in the top hat mm-hmm. and, and now with That's, every. Every story that comes out about him being arrested has to show this little this man in this top hat and ascot. Uh, I, you know, I, I can't speak for the punitive capacity of the Japanese legal system, but either assuming he either goes to jail or at least is so tainted he never works again. Mm. This is pretty much the picture of record from now on. <laughs> it might as well be his mugshot. So that that being said, the other thing is crime aside, which is you know I'm not goofing on that necessarily. At least this time was more than the $20,000 that he was uh, allegedly uh, insider trading last time. This is, again, this is another insider trading. Brad, how much is Yuji on the hook for this time? That is literally the only reason I even pulled the story is that $20,000 seemed like a relatively paltry sum last time to to get arrested for. This is a different game. This time it is about Final Fantasy VII, The First Soldier, which I know it was a mobile game. Is that the Battle Royale? I, did, I, had never heard, I had never heard of this game. Yeah, I can't remember. I, they, they make a lot of Final Fantasy mobile games. I, for, I forget which one that is, but anyway, it was around A-Team, the developer of that game. And this time, his investment was roughly $834,000. Yes, quite a bit more. Yeah. Uh, and that's, again, insider trading stuff where he had knowledge before the deal was made and made investments, which, uh, you know... That sounds like globally you're not allowed to do. Now now I'm just picturing that Sideshow Bob stepping on Rake's clip, except <laughs> mm-hmm. all the Rakes say insider trading on them. Yeah. So 
Again, allegedly, he's arrested uh, now. Allegedly, for, no, he, not allegedly arrested. Not allegedly he was arrested. arrested. <laughs> yes, uh, ar- arrested for allegedly insider trading. Uh, nothing further, uh, at least according to this story you linked, Brad. Nothing further on that original charge, right? He no, I'm sure that stuff will take time to work its way through the legal system. Yeah, yeah. Leave it up to the Tokyo District Public Prosecutor's Office. And the Securities and Exchange Surveillance Commission? Is that what they're called over there? There it is. Mm. Yes. That's what it is. Yeah. Leave it up to the big wigs. Turns out everything sounds way more sinister when you attach the word surveillance to it. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yuji Naka. Boy. Not been his year. Mm. Not been been a few years for him. Well, yeah. Uh, Balan was last year, but yeah. Mm. Uh, let's move on to. Uh, I don't have. A, there's no. How do you segue from Yuji Naka to Michael Madsen? Balan. I didn't like how I just said Balan. Like I'm on Balin. a first name basis with that game. Mm-hmm. Balan. Uh, Balan. Um, Brad, why is Michael Madsen on this rundown? Uh, he seems to be promoting a new game that's going to be announced at the Game Awards from 505. I mostly just think Michael Madsen is kind of an amusing figure and just wanted to come in here and be all not since the first Yakuza as Michael Madsen. I don't know. It's been been so prominently featured in a video game. I mean, prominently featured at all. Like, what was the last thing any of us saw Michael Madsen in? Yeah. I, well, the last thing I remember seeing him in was the launch event for that Yakuza game, which I saw him at. Michael he and, Madsen. I, he, just, he and Michelle Rodriguez were there. I don't remember if anybody else from the cast was. He wait, just, wait, was that was that Yakuza or hang on? Yes, he was in, I believe, no, the original. No, he definitely was. What I mean is, was that I don't know if that event was for Yakuza or has he actually been in other video games that I'm forgetting? He has oh definitely been God. in other video games. I just ended up on his Wikipedia page, which features his high school yearbook photo. Yeah. Uh, wow. Also, Virginia Madsen's brother, which I think yes. was a thing I didn't know. Yes, I, I, I did know that. Um, okay, so a couple things. Yes, he's been in other video games, uh, not the least of which are he was in Grand Theft Auto uh, as to- Tony Cipriani in, in GTA 3. Uh, but he was also in True Crime, Streets of L.A. Oh, and that- Drive 3 Maybe it was Driver, actually. Which one is Michelle? Let's cross-reference. Whichever one Michelle Rodriguez is in, that's the one. That would be Drive 3 Okay, that was a Driver event then. God, what yeah. the hell was I... Ugh. He was also in NARC. Mm-hmm. The reboot. Mm-hmm. And re- reboot the Reservoir NARC? Dogs game, which was dog shit. And okay. most importantly, he was in the Dishonored games as Dowd. Okay. Oh, I don't okay. think I knew that. I don't think I knew that either. He's been in. He's been that character in all the stuff that Dowd is in. Okay. Okay. Uh, he is an interesting. I don't know much about him. Every time I see him, he looks like an animated mugshot. Kind he of. Yeah, like, he's just kind of a dirtbag. <laughs> That's the vibe. Uh, yeah. Uh, it was like it's like if you said, uh, you know. Uh, went to like the Mid Journey project and mm-hmm. said mug sh- mugshot uh, Italian uh, uh, kind of uh, I don't know how old do you think he is sixties 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 and this is what came out this is what came out that Gary Busey level of mugshot like a little yeah. more put together mm-hmm. but a little like Florida man ish mugshot but yeah mm-hmm. so we don't know what he's doing we don't know why he's there they had some kind of teaser that had some 
little uh, skit about Michael yeah. Madsen returning Jeff Keighley's wallet. Yeah, uh, I don't, who knows? So this this could be. Well, I mean, it, so it, so that trailer leads to visit rockhaycity.com. Okay, is that the QR was, code? Yes. Okay. Uh, and there's like a teaser image of some kind of futuristic city at night business. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, five hundred five. Oh, and Epic. I forgot to mention five hundred five and Epic are involved. Uh, it, who knows? It may not be a super interesting game. I just think that anytime Michael Madsen <laughs> comes out of the woodwork, it's t- amusing. So what? When? Uh, what are the dates for the Game Awards? If people want to catch more, uh, it's tomorrow. Well, it's it, it's like a matter of hours by the time people hear this. Okay, it's Thursday night, four thirty Pacific. I want to say. And I think that's the countdown to this visit Rocka City, right? That's or visit yeah, Rocka, sure, yeah. It'll, all that stuff will be announced there. Um, Rocky I probably City. will watch that. I watched yeah. it last year. I happened to be out of town and had nothing to do, and watched all three and a half goddamn hours of it. Mm-hmm. Um, Keeley has been out there saying it's going to be significantly shorter this year because they're um, cutting all the awards out. No, <laughs> no they I mean, at this already. rate, I wouldn't they, they, be surprised. They, they pretty much already did. Um, uh, anyway, I mean, like, I, 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 I'm not look. No, no offense to the people that worked hard on that event. Not exactly there for awards, but. A bunch of games always get announced, and that's interesting. Yeah, I want to see. I want to see some upcoming trailers that have it. I'm sorry, I'm looking for the time again, Brad. What was the? I, I don't have it in front of me. I think it's four thirty Pacific. Okay. Um, I'm sure we will talk about it coming up. No matter what happens there, something will happen. Uh, moving on from the Game Awards, uh, Jeff Minter's getting back into the game scene. This kind I might of, say he never left. <laughs> this kind of just dropped uh, right before we started recording. But yeah, so I I had not come across Aka R in Atari Fifty yet. I need to get back to that thing and go through the rest of it. Have you? Did you see it in there? No, I only I kind of only found out about it through this news. Uh, I've done I a lot more I watching of Atari Fifty than I have actually playing the games. So it's possible I, I touched it and passed over it. I wonder if it's only in the playable list of games in that thing and maybe not included on the timeline because I, mm-hmm. I've never even heard of it before this. And like looking at the history, it does seem like kind of a minor enough footnote that they might not put it on because I'm past 1982 or was it 83? 83, I think. 82. 82 is when this game, they made like three cabinets for, for this game, Aka R, and put it into test and people thought it was too hard and then they killed it. Uh, so apparently it is playable as a prototype in Atari 50, but I guess it's not in the narrative. I watched, I watched somebody play it. uh, I watched a video just to see what it looks like compared to this story here, which is Jeff Minter going back in and making a new Aka R. Yeah. Like Jeff, this is essentially Llama Soft's next game is called Aka R and it's basically his interpretation of kind of what it would have been on acid. Cause that's kind of what he does. Mm -hmm. That's kind of the second. Second time he's doing this because he also made Polybius a few years ago, which is kind of his interpretation of the kind of mythical urban legend game Polybius. Um, anyway, if you watch this trailer, it extremely looks like Jeff Minter doing Jeff Minter, which is fine with me. I'm yeah. all for Jeff Minter uh, doing whatever the hell he wants at this a, point. A hypnotic new wave shooter is how it's described. Yep. Polybius still is the trippiest thing I have done in VR by a lot. I've never tried it. It's fucking nuts to be inside of a Jeff Mentor game. It's too, too much. It's, it's maybe it's too really, close. It's, it's really a lot. Um, anyway, this is cool. Um, I got the other thing I forgot to mention here is that, uh, that um, 
So Mentor worked for Atari ages ago. He made Tempest 2000 on the Jaguar was his kind of big claim to fame, which was he did not work on the original Tempest because he was probably a teenager. But he basically interpreted Tempest as Tempest 2000 for the Jaguar. And then he tried to make that game TXK a few years ago. And whatever shambling zombie version of Atari existed at that time pursued legal action and blocked him from releasing it on most platforms. Um, but this is... So yeah, this this basically represents like current Atari kind of making nice with him and getting him back on board to make something. I guess the, the the bigger point here is that the people running Atari now seem to have finally realized what the value of that company is, which is just yes. pure strain and nostalgia. And like a very just, self-aware Atari. Yeah, yeah. And also, but also like, you know, well, hotel ventures aside and all that <laughs> stuff, like capitalizing on the old Atari material in smart ways is the way to go, clearly. And that's totally what they're doing with like Atari 50 and this. Um, yeah, it's just kind of... Atari has been through, like, the name has changed hands so many times over the years, like, seeing it, it's obviously not the same people, but kind of seeing it embrace its history and kind of spiritually feeling like Atari again is kind of cool. Come a long way since the Atari speaker hat. Yes. Yes. Ah, yeah. Mm. Well, I don't know. I mean, on that website, they were still promoting NFTs, so who knows? I don't, I don't know who Wade Rosen is. I mean, he's the CEO of Atari now. I, I... Okay, it looks like Polygon had a feature. He seems very beginning young. Of this year, it looks like yes, he is. He is in Atari Fifty, and he does seem quite young. Okay, Polygon's got a, a feature here on him running current Atari that I should read because I don't really know what the origin is of him getting the rights or whatever the ownership situation is. Anyway, he's in the, a lot of the documentary footage, and he seems very enthusiastic about Atari in in, in Fifty. Uh. This game is slated for early 2023 on the Switch, the PS4 and 5, the Windows PC, the Xbox Series X, and... And, and the Atari VCS. Which I did not, and we talked a little bit before the show, I had not realized it had come out, and you yeah. informed me that not only had it come out, it had been on big sales in the past, and... Yeah, I've, uh, I've, compl- I've complained about this elsewhere, but GameStop liquidated them for 100 bucks. <laughs> Uh, about a year. I think it was about this time last year, and I missed it by a matter of like minutes before they sold out. Mm-hmm. Uh, that thing shipped at four hundred dollars, and it is extremely not worth four hundred dollars. <laughs> uh-huh. But it's like for ninety nine bucks, it's like enough of a capable x eighty six PC with like decent enough graphics, and you can install whatever OS you want on it, like Windows. That it would be kind of rad to have one for a hundred bucks as a as a like a set top box. Anyway, those are still out there. Don't buy them for four hundred dollars. No. I think I saw them on when I looked it up. I thought I saw them retail now for three hundred. So okay, they might have they, taken the price down a little bit, or unless it was a different edition that didn't have a controller. Yeah, there are multiple SKUs out there with different uh, goodies um, and stuff. But yeah, like seeing, watching the trailer for Akar of Jeff Mentor's version, and just seeing the platforms at the bottom, the icons of PlayStation, Xbox, Switch, and fucking Atari VCS. It was just like... I'm a real platform. This is like a glimpse into a weird alternate dimension where that thing blew up and became like one of the pillars of the console business. You know, I, um, when we talked about the Atari 50, I'll just mention this quickly. We talked about the Atari 50 collection, which we all generally like. Mm-hmm. I, I learned only after we talked about it that the VCS, I thought that was a computer. Uh, and not the no. uh, original uh, uh, video console, video game console. Yes. Um, I thought it was, I thought every time people said the VCS, I thought they were talking about the computer. 
Uh, um, yeah, I, I, I didn't have any contact with Atari computers back then either, but the 400 and 800 were the kind of classic ones is my understanding. And then like the Atari ST was, I think it was, I think it was their 16 bit was big later. Yeah. So I thought VCS was like video computer system and not the, uh, um, 2600. Yeah. That is, that is what it stood for. Then it's just that, you know, the nomenclature was weird in the seventies cause everybody was too coked out. Uh, uh-huh. <laughs> there were no the drugs. Branding. There were no drugs happening. Clearly. No, nope, it's time. stated on the record in my office. Nobody was on drugs. That's just a rumor and a myth. Can't prove uh, anything. Atari 50 is still a, a great hell of a product. Out. Yeah. Yeah. It rules. I, I still, I, I spoke to drew briefly. I still want to get them on a stream to talk about production stuff in that at some point soon. Uh, finally here, we're going to move on to uh, news. I did not know about either here. Alex and two brought it up. Mm-hmm. This fuse are news. Yeah. You snooze, you fuse, uh, and now you're going to lose Fuser because Fuser is shutting down live service, uh, I believe, as of December 19th. Mm. Uh, This comes on the heels of them essentially shutting off the DLC pipeline for that game back in March or so. Uh, Oh, so you can't buy DLC anymore. Well, no, so they just stopped putting out new DLC. I see. So this on December 19th, you're gonna they're gonna stop selling the game and dlc but you'll still be able to play the offline modes well no you can still buy the game i think i don't know if you'll be able to buy the the, i think they're gonna stop selling the dlc and the online servers will be off oh i'm gonna read there i'm gonna read that thing okay they might maybe it is also you can't buy the game anymore but i do believe that i i would shock me if they were straight up pulling the game entirely yeah on December 19th, we will be disabling Fuser's live services and all sales of the game, as well as its DLC. Okay. So we're disabling Fuser's live services. Disable. Okay, I guess, I don't know, that read to me like they're going to not sell it, I guess. That reads to me like literally all our licensing agreements are up and we're not <laughs> yes. renewing them. Yes, so if you have it, I assume you'll be able to download it, because I was selfishly thinking oh i wonder if i should go see if there's a bundle for dlc before this happens because i like fuser a lot i may have spent about 60 dollars in fuser dlc before uh just before we started recording this podcast yeah how much is that for everything so no i, I left okay. a bunch of stuff on the table but the song like the, those were all the songs that had come out that i had that i would like that i just had okay. not gotten around to buying they had do have some dlc packs though a lot of them were single song piecemeal like two dollar Okay. Price, what same as the RB DLC, but yeah, I just I'm bummed, but not surprised because that game. My understanding from talking to people was that it did okay, like it it did better than some of the other post RB harmonics projects, but it was not like a runaway. And mm-hmm. obviously, there was a big problem with trying to get people uh, streaming that game because of all the licensed music bullshit that goes on on there. My understanding was you could do it. But there was definitely, like, a risk involved in terms of, like, you know, channel strikes and things like that. Mm. Uh, So I think that may have discouraged it. And also, I mean, look, if I'm being real, Fuser was a really cool tool set. It was not the most engaging game, uh, but they made it a really incredible audio tool set that you could fuck around in and make some really interesting performances out of. Yeah. As a music creation tool, it was really fun. Yeah. Yeah. and they added in some things for the play and never ending playlist stuff with multiple, multiple people. And yeah, yeah, I had a good time with it to the point where I would think about going in and seeing if there's any DLC I want for any future playing of the game, because you know, that game also does live and die by its 
music collection. Yeah. And if you know, the, and the more on, you have the the on disc collection was pretty good, but I feel like they really did fill it out decently with with a fair amount of and a good variety of songs. So if you're unfamiliar, Fuser was the kind of uh DJing game where they very much like rock band took all these tracks split them out into their stems, you know, their drum and bass, their um, vocals and like that. And you could mix them along track by track. So put the uh, drum track of, um, I don't know. It was a Neil C.C. Erica like simulator. You know, it was (laughs) like, what kind of unholy creations can I create by putting this drum track with this vocal track and just see what fucking horrors fall out. And did neat things with beat matching and kind of, um, there's some gameplay in there, which was a little less interesting to me than the actual tech under the hood of that stuff. So it was, it was a lot of fun, a lot of fun. Uh, and so December 19th, 2022, 2022. Yeah. This is a kind of quick turnaround on here. Yeah. Well, I mean, again, Harmonics got bought by Epic in the ensuing time, and they are basically on Fortnite duty now. That's that's the thing I wanted to ask, if they they haven't announced anything since that acquisition rate. They are continuing to put out Rock Band DLC. As far as I know, that stuff is still selling. Um, (laughs) Wait, really? Yeah. They still put out a couple songs every week. I'm sure it pays. I'm sure it more than pays for itself. Yeah, there's enough crazy people like me that (laughs) are still playing it that will supplement it. I mean, of course, it pays for itself, or wouldn't they wouldn't keep doing it, yeah. doing it? But what I mean is that I'm sure it makes enough uh, return for Epic, even a company like Epic, to probably be happy to to keep that going. Yeah, all they really have to do is have a DLC production team working on that stuff, and I mean that's not no manpower, but it's not as much as having to develop a new game every few years. Alex, would it be out of the question for me to say you should buy an Xbox Series S just to play Rock Band on and download all your DLC to uh, as a dedicated Rock Band console? That's not the craziest thing I've ever thought about doing for one of these video games, uh-huh. I can tell you right now. Um, and it might make my regular Xbox run a little faster. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And free up some storage, I'm sure. Yeah. That said, I heard that uh, that S is a potato. I don't know. I don't know if it can handle <laughs> yeah, all that uh, all yeah, that DLC. Uh, it's yeah. all right. right I'm sitting right here. I'm sure it'd be fine for Rock Band. Uh, yeah, it probably would be. It's not a graphically intensive game. It's just a lot of hard drive scanning. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, I feel bad every time I see your poor Xbox have to kind of sift through some whatever. It's database trying to find it has the, to the one through. file amid the <laughs> several thousand that I have on there. Yes. Yes. Uh, all right. So get your Fuser either in, bought, or whatever you need to do with Fuser. Uh, before the 19th when it goes offline and sales stop remember if you fuse you lose there you go if you don't fuse, you lose if you don't fuse you lose somebody lost that's gonna do it for the news from this week uh we got the like uh we said before the game awards coming up so people holding announcements i'm sure for those uh televised televised game i think i'm gonna keep my streak of not watching that show up okay yeah, it's your choice. It's I your just choice, have man. no. I have no real affinity for it. I don't care. I can always see the announcements afterward. You will. Yeah, that's, 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 yeah, that's true. I, I just I treat it kind of like an E3 press conference at this point. Yeah, it's uh, if it, if I'm around to watch it, I will have it on. If not, I will look forward to. I don't think I would watch the archive. I'd only watch it live. Otherwise, I would just watch yeah, the announcements. Yes, absolutely. Would uh, just pick through the trailers. Yeah. If, if yeah. Uh. We're going to move into emails now. If you want to send an email in, you can send them into podcast at nextlander.com. I wrote it down this time. Podcast at nextlander.com to send in your emails. Brad Shoemaker, what have the fine people written in to email us about? 
Uh, let's see. I've got a handful here, and I'm trying to find the one that I wanted to start with and not seeing it. So what if I started with this other one instead? Sounds mm. good to me. While I look for that one. Mm-hmm. Except I've also just lost the one. I was, okay, there we go. Travis, Travis and Fargo, I feel like, has taken a page from the Nathan and Tumwater uh, book of how to get your email read on a podcast. Okay. Uh-huh. Is sexting a sin? Yes. No. Discuss. No. Well, no, I think everything is a sin. So, yes. Okay. And we got puritanical Alex over here. No, I mean, uh, look, sin away. Right. I'm not telling you not to do it. I'm just saying it's a sin. And take you for one of those original sin types. Yeah. No, sexting the wrong person is a sin. Mm, wait, what if it's an innocent mistake? Sinful. Not necessarily be, a sin. Be, be extremely sure of your phone number before you sex. And now... That's, that's what the Bible says. Just, just to be clear... Uh-huh. Sexting is any kind of lewd text to someone else? I can't... Yes. Or do you, is it one of those things you know when you see it, but you can't define it? No, I mean you can kind of define it. I look, man, I'm I'm not by any means an expert on this sort of thing, but uh, I will say that I think generally it is the are you getting horny in the texts. Okay. Unsolicited sexting definitely a sin. Well, that's just fucked up. <laughs> that's boring. Don't do that. That's maybe just illegal. Solicited sexting? Why not? Just hey. Gonna say this for solicited consensual sexting just remember that other person's getting that photo you don't know where that other person's going to be in your life in a week a month a year a decade so that's all i'm gonna say is uh uh, you said a lot there yeah it's just something to think about before you before you snap that photo off before you do it before before you you hit send think long and hard about what you want to do think long think 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 long and hard. Yes. About what do you're that. Sending. Do that thing I we just said. Do it. Brad, what other emails do you have? Uh, here's the one I was going to start with from Patrick. Uh-huh. Uh, I have just returned to playing video games after a two-year absence due to a nasty concussion. Wear your helmets, kids. Mm-hmm. Glad you're feeling better. Yeah. Uh, my question is, what is the game that has come out since September 2020 that I absolutely have to play? Oh my gosh. For reference, I've got a PS4, an Xbox One, and I have a PS5 on the way. Okay, so two in the last two years? About two years, yes. The game? Go this bu- is a tough one, man. Like, <clears throat> okay. I have actually mm. pulled up my last two years of Game of the Year lists. As a reference, yes. which also led me to a Reddit thread about my list last year, do I dare read it? Probably not. Right? That's I'm sure. I mean, unless everybody, if you're feeling like, particularly, uh, you know, uh, saucy, I say go for it. That's, but that's, I, that's everybody sounds, agrees with you. You've made all the right choices. That sounds mm-hmm. like a stupid thing to do. What was um, what was the date since 2020? September 2020. So okay, he he missed the new consoles entirely. Go play, uh, but go, caught, go play Hitman caught, Three. Caught well. I, I, I considered Hitman 3 for this question until I realized it's entirely possible he played Hitman 1 and 2, mm. which mm. makes a little less of must of. Like, mm. I, I like Hitman 3. I would maybe argue it's the weakest of the trilogy. But it's got, mm. all, it's, it's got all of them in there. By itself. Well, yeah, but if he's played two thirds of it. 
I, th- I think three is probably the, definitely the lead, the most uneven of the three. Okay. Uh, I okay. mean, I guess going by my lists for yes. me, it would have to either be inscription or Astro's playroom. It's fair. Um, also, he very possibly has his PS5 by now, in which case he may have played Astro's Playroom. But even with that said, I might say Astro's Playroom. I mean, my favorite game of 2020 was Spiritfarer, but that is not necessarily a thing that's going to show off the power of those consoles in mm. maybe the way that they're looking for. That's a very broad question. I think it is just what is the most must-play game. Uh-huh. Like, if, for me, for me, it is Astro for the nostalgia and Inscription for the inventiveness. Okay. Are my Those two are recommendations. Good. Yep. Yep. I think for PS5, I would say it's probably Ratchet and it's probably uh, uh, Miles Morales are the two that I would kind of. Oh, yeah. I don't, yes. Yes. Miles Morales is very worth playing. I forgot that that came out after the cutoff here. But more generally, I mean, Spirit Fair is great. Hades is great. Hades, uh, yes, is one I considered saying. I really loved Spikonauts 2 last year. I think that's a really good one. Mm hmm. Um, there's Elden Ring. Yeah, there's Elden there is that Ring. Elden Ring from this year. There's yes, that's, that's a video Ring. game. True. There is Tunic. If you're Hades into- came out a couple of years ago. If you haven't played that, Hades. Um, I mean, we're going to be talking a lot about. I'm going to stay out of 2022 because we're going about to get into 2022 video games and how good they are. In like a week but Elden a Ring should be played. Elden that Ring is a thing that should happen. The Forgotten City is a very fun game. Resident Evil Village is a very fun game. Oh yeah, Ari Village yeah. rules. Uh, I enjoyed Death Loop. Maybe not near uh, everyone's on everyone's lists. Guardians of the Galaxy, very fun game. Unpacking, adorable little game. I, I I'm gonna I'm gonna double down on inscription here. Actually, just like <laughs> just like commit. Taking the question at face value, the one game you must play, like that, in terms of games that just bowled me over, it's absolutely that one. That's fair. That's fair. Um, that Guardians of the Galaxy game. That Guardians of the Galaxy game. If you like the Marvel stuff, that's a great one. Paparazzi. All right. I'm glad you're feeling better and ready to play some games. Play some of those Yakuza games. There's a bunch of oh them on all those platforms now. Like a, like a Dragon came out after this in this time frame. Yeah, Gosh. as did as did the second Judgment game. Do you remember Ghostwire Tokyo? That came out. Not well. I don't know. I wonder how many people do. I finished it. I f- I'm <laughs> Somehow that is one of the games I finished this year. That game has survived deletion on my PS5 for longer than I expected. <laughs> it doesn't take up quite enough room to make it necessary. That may be part of it, but... We go through enough games and the PS5 storage is small enough and I haven't bothered to get an SSD yet that games get deleted on a regular basis mm. and I might still have that one installed for some reason I don't understand. Uh, Brad, you want to do another email? Yeah. Um, how about I accidentally just closed the one I was going to read. A uh, question from Brandon. Uh-huh. With the success of the Xbox Series S, I was curious, do you think PlayStation should have gone the same route? Should they have made a cheaper, smaller, slightly weaker console instead of making a diskless version? Okay. I think, I mean, certainly looking at their sales numbers, they made the right choice. Who did? Microsoft? Sony did. Okay. So I was going to say, the premise of the question, is the S very successful? Yeah, it's huge. It's huge. Okay. It outsells the Series X by a lot. Okay. So the install Um, base is, is bigger for the S than the X? Yes. Okay. 
I, I can I can double check that, but that's at least passively that is the information I have absorbed. Okay, yeah, I buy that. Uh, I'd buy an X. Um, yeah, I mean, hmm, that's a whole separate conversation of should you get an S or X? <laughs> like when you look at the storage difference and what it costs to get more storage on an S, you're almost in X territory anyway. Anyway, that's not what he's asking, but yeah. So I don't know. I, I, Sorry. Well, well, you know, to the question of should you, I'm glad there's differentiation in the market. So I'm glad we have two different, you know, paths that we've gone through. I guess my question for you guys is, do you, do you empirically feel, is it even up for debate that the S has affected production of games in this generation? I don't, I don't know if you can say, I mean, it's. The hardware split is such that, like, the intention is for only graphics to vary between the two. Because, I mean, when you get down to it, the CPU and the S is basically the same thing as in both the X and the PS5. So, it's it's just a difference of RAM and GPU, essentially. So, theoretically, it should not be, but who can say? Mm. Like... I mean, that, that one developer going off half-cocked on Twitter and then deleting his account or whatever. <laughs> yes. Seems to have planted this tuber. It's true. Uh, that that thing is some kind of albatross around the Xbox's neck, and I don't know if that's actually the case or not. I mean, I would love to, if any developers listening want to write in with some actual hands-on experience. Your identity will be protected. <laughs> making making games for both Xboxes and the PS5, I would love to hear more. Here's my two cents, and it is, you know what my two cents is worth. Not two cents, but my two cents is a bigger problem is the install base of the PlayStation four and the Xbox one, like the, uh, or last generation versus the install base of the current generation and developers needing to make sure they hedge against releasing on those older platforms. That seems to yeah. be a bigger deal than even the Xbox series S. Yeah. And I think it's like, you know, I mean, we've kind of always had that problem. Like they're, you know, especially like PS two and on mm-hmm. you know, like PS two sold a fucking unbelievable, like 150 million units or whatever, but this seems like a longer like, transition. The, the, well, the different, the main difference is our games are so much more expensive to make now that they really need to recoup more, uh, on, uh, a more widely, you know, installed platform mm-hmm. for longer. Also, you know, the economic and supply chain factors have limited the uptake of the new machines as well. So it's just kind of protracted this whole thing. So but like, you know, Callisto protocol is a, Next gen, current gen, whatever you want to call it, only game. Like we're getting there finally. Just having um, some trouble on the PC and maybe on the maybe on the Xbox. But yeah, again, I'm glad we have two different models of it. So yeah, um, but I don't know if it hurts Sony. I'm gonna say the PlayStation Four is out there and the and the four. Gosh, what is it called? The four Deluxe Four S. What's the Pro Pro four, Pro PlayStation the Pro PlayStation Pro. Yeah, it's been yeah. just long enough. We've all PS4. forgotten. PS4 Pro. PS4 Pro is out there still, and a lot of people have them, and I think they're still making sure. I think they wanted to get onto uh, exclusive next-gen a lot faster than they, for first party at least, than they kind of have been able to. So, Yeah. I, I mean, to, yeah, to, to address his central question, I mean, obviously, like, looking at the sales numbers of the PS5, they chose just fine. Um, As Microsoft would also, say, they're the market leader. They're extremely the market leader. I mean, we'll, we'll see how that bears out over time. I mean, you know, it's so it's it's three ninety nine for the discless PS five and four ninety nine for the disc drive one versus two ninety nine for an S. Like, you know, it's it's always better not to split your install base in terms or your audience in terms of capabilities if you can help it. Which 
clearly Sony has got the brand momentum to avoid doing. Um, but we'll see over time because that the S was extremely cheap over Black Friday. Yeah, like they they there was like an industry wide sale to two fifty on the S, and then some some retailers were lowering it to even like two twenty. Yeah, uh, for the weekend. So like, if they keep dropping price like that more frequently, then like maybe this turns into more of a conversation. So it was funny. My I almost I sent those I sent that to my brother who is maybe in the market to get into switch to the Xbox. And he was like, I think I might want to wait to see what happens with the X um, versus the S, but he's not in like a 4k realm. He's not, you know, he was going back and forth. He's like, I don't have 4k. I don't know. What do you think? And I was kind of like, if the prices are flu, I don't know. And it's hard to say like, you know, the prices could go up and the, you know, the sale price could come back down to a more normal price. It's hard to say what the market's doing right now, but I thought he was going to go in on the S. Uh, honestly, that's what kind of why I sent it to him. But even he was like, actually, oh, sorry. no, I was but, just gonna say, even he was like, I think I kind of want to wait to save up for the X. Callisto was an interesting test case, actually, because like it barely holds 1080p on the S apparently at 30 frames a second. Oh, so, like, OK, like that thing, that thing has been benefiting from running a bunch of cross gen games for the last two years. Mm. So it was like, oh, the S has got like good performance and it looks fine and blah, blah, blah. And then now here's like, OK, one of the first major like heavy next gen games. And like it's barely struggling to keep a full HD <laughs> Do you know what resolution? Do you know what the developer mandate is for that those platforms? Like, do you have a minimum that you need to hit for like the S if you're developing on the Xbox platforms? Not, not that I'm aware of. Okay. I mean, I think they, the game just has to run on both <laughs> in some capacity. So, I mean that that also conjures the nightmare scenario of like certain Nintendo releases on the old, mm. um, like the 3DS, like the original 3DS model, and then the new th- 3DS, which was faster and like. I think it was Hyrule Warriors was like basically unplayable on the original model. You always get left behind. Uh, by the time it came out, like let's hope that the S doesn't end up in that territory. But I think like Microsoft is like hungry enough to reclaim their past glory that they're probably not going to let that happen. Right. Cause like they can't, they can't let the lion's share of their install base, like have their experience just go to shit. No. Yeah. I wonder, I guess maybe we'll see how that plays out in the future um, in terms of development and, uh playability of certain games brad are there any more emails for this week um why don't we call it there okay all right if you want to send them in you can get them into podcast at nextlander.com podcast at nextlander.com uh we got a quick shout out here for uh scheduling we will be getting into our game of the year stuff Coming up on December 21st, 28th, those weeks of the podcast will be our game of the year business. Usually the releases are pretty slim. The news is pretty slim. I think we did three weeks last year. We're going to try and condense it down to two weeks of dedicated game of the year stuff. Yes. Where we will have lists, some categories. We'll be talking about some stuff. But yeah, that's the week of the week of the 21st and 28th will be those game of the year podcast we i think that leaves us with one more regular as regular as these are am i right you guys mm-hmm. uh next lander podcast i want to thank everybody for listening today we've got uh, um, a bunch of stuff we went over to recap it was callisto protocol marvel's midnight suns a sword ship fortnite 2 specifically chapter 4 of fortnite 2 
or Fortnite, Fortnite, and the Need for Speed Unbound. In case you missed the, the name, Fortnite Two, Fortnite Two, Fortnite Two, no Fortnite never. Chapter Four. I want to thank everybody for listening, watching, tuning in, supporting us. Of course, you can support us over at patreon.com slash nextlander. Get in there before the end of the year. Go, go make your there. voice heard. Get in Do there. It. Would you say there's never been a better time? There's absolutely never been a better time. If you get in there now, you will get a bunch of episodes of Never Been a Better Podcast. You will get a bunch of ramble casts. Boy, a, your cup runneth over, both you video s- audio. You sign up for this Patreon, you will be the first person on the planet to hear us talk about Bram Stoker's motherfucking Dracula. Yeah. It is true. The first person, people ever, to have watched that movie mm. and recorded their thoughts about Discovered it. Discovered this hidden gem. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah. Nobody, nobody's ever seen it. We had to go dig out a print and put it together. Mm-hmm. It's a movie that you should know, not be a, a lost Christ- film. A, a Christmas Dracula is not what I was expecting, but I guess I'll take the Dracula that I can get. Uh, you can go get all of that stuff by going to patreon.com slash nextlander. Go check out the different tiers there. Find a tier that is right for you. And of course, we thank everybody for joining us and supporting us over there. Could not do it without you. There is one tier there that gets their names read on this here show, this very show, and it is the Mysterious Benefactor tier, and I have those names. I have gone in. I have recovered from elusive people, let's say, this list of Mysterious Benefactors, and I'm going to read them this week, starting with John Richardson, Vornak, Kelly F., James Smith. Brian Lucier, Skywarp, John Hubbard, Sean Miller, Brad's Midsize Voodoo You Do, Evan Cook, Mark Wilhelm, JM, Jerry Lee, Gary Pejke, Robert Fisher, John McInnes, Buddy Thorpe Couch Sleep Crimes, Peter Reardon, Thomas Lynn, Jad Rita, Statics, Andrew Jackson, Raz Grizz, two turtle doves and a partridge in a pear tree. Brian Murphy, Trevor and Adrian R, Kevin Velado, Randy Duax, Andrew Teepkin, Alex Wu, It Me JP, Matt Clements Jr., Edward Cheek, Andrew Slosky, Michael Jonathan Black, Steve Lynn, Matthew Herrig, David Campos, and Tyler Treese. Those are our mysterious benefactors for this week. I love reading them. Get a nice open up the jaw real wide. Get to stretch out. Do this like doing vocal exercises. I love it. Favorite part. Told my you chance, I'm excited my, for this show. This is my chance to say embouchure again. Yes. I, I need to practice my embouchure. Gotta open that mouth. Lazy mouth. Stretch it out. Uh, You can go check out some of the stuff we did this week, including playing the Callisto Protocol Midnight Suns on Monday, Tuesday's Ramble Cast, where we rambled. Surprise, surprise. Thursday, uh, we have a Planorama going up, along with another grab bag stream. Some fun stuff, hopefully, for that one. And then Friday, we'll have Never Been a Better Podcast with Abby Russell and Jeff Bacalar. You can find out all about Jeff Bacalar's tragic mistakes on Thanksgiving. And we will be playing Dark Pictures, Devil and Me with Abby Russell, continuing to play. So catch up on the last episode so you are up to date when you tune in on Friday 
at 1 p.m. Eastern. Don't forget the Watchcast, like uh, Brad mentioned. If you're keeping up on the, the Patreon, next week we'll have more Star Trek. And I'm I'm going inside my head and I'm thinking hard. Archon? The Archon. Return of the Archons. Return of the Archons. And what's the other one? Space Seed. Space Seed. <laughs> Space Seed. Uh, it's gross. The Space Seed momentous <laughs> episode mm-hmm. gross. in the annals of Star Trek. Gross. Gross. And if you're uh, going in on the public feed, don't forget it's Michael Clayton. Uh, a thumbs up. Parent approved. Parental approved. Michael Clayton. Uh, I love it. Kids love it. Kids love it. Adults love it. Go check it out. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you, Brad Shoemaker. Thank you. Thanks, Alex Navarro. Thank you. I don't know how we're going to top this one. I don't know. Just too excited. Too excited. We'll have to see what happens next week. Join us next week to see what happens. Bye, everyone. <laughs>